Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. Morning all and uh, a belated, I suppose, to an extent, Happy New Year. Hope the Christmas went well for you. For many, it was quiet, of course, but uh, we're living in very interesting times. In January is going to be um, uh, a reckoner, if you like. Now, we hear of the, the weather issues, and I suppose it's fair to say that COVID loves the cold. So this Arctic freeze, the sun talks about the chances of bringing snow on high ground. It has already, uh, but this kind of weather is, is here to stay. And that's not helping the situation that we're in. All of the, just with regards to the newspapers this morning. I I actually think that we probably are now in a place where we thought we would be last April, you know, with with huge positive numbers. The the only difference between now and uh, and uh, the first wave is that we're not seeing so many deaths. Now, there are 100 nurses at CUH now that are out of work because if they've either been in contact with COVID or they have it themselves. So our hospital system is nearing breaking point, and that's a frontliner, very relevant to us here on Side. It's a front pager in this morning's uh, examiner. But it, it's, not, it's not good reading the papers. There's a surge in COVID-19 cases in metropolitan areas, in urban areas, and in rural areas, and it's expected to increase. A virus infects 100,000 Irish. Now, yesterday's numbers of 4,962 came as a shock to everybody because it was only two days previous to that that there was a warning from Neffet and indeed many politicians uh, saying that it won't be long before we hit 3,000. Then pow! Uh, within 24 hours, 4,962. No, I know that to some extent that number is bolstered up by a backlog uh, of tests that got added into the numbers. And that's why we got 4,962. But uh, today will tell a lot. But it's Operation Save the Nation now, according to The Sun, with Faradkar calling for a national effort. And that national effort really is to stay home, to work from home uh, for the month of January. January, by and large, is a quiet month anyway when people tend to hunker down after the Christmas season, but more so than ever now, the call out is out for Operation Save the Nation with the mail this morning saying COVID-19 cases in hospital has doubled in a week. And I have some stats on that a little later on. Um, Two or three days ago, the number in Cork uh, was the highest in the country. That's kind of flipped now and Dublin's ahead of us again and things like that. But they do break down the numbers in the mail this morning where they show 1,200 new COVID-19 cases revealed in Dublin. But Cork is a problem uh, of that you can be sure. Obviously, Dublin is. So is Louth. So is Limerick, um, and, uh, and and they're the big aid ticket areas at the moment where the problems are. Now, all other countries, there's no, there's no county without uh, a positive case, incidentally, but there's been a widespread cancellation of various hospital services because of the virus case surge, according to the Times today. In fact, I think it's, it's fair to say um, that um, even some wards are closing in hospitals now. And you heard in the news there at nine o'clock about this, uh, this pre-drinks Christmas party with uh, with members of Angarda Shikona um, and they went to a particular pub and were socialising in the pub and then it's alleged that one of them um, attended the gathering was later involved in a road traffic accident and failed a breath test so that, that makes this morning's examiner as well um, you know with regards to going to places and you know where you should or shouldn't be it's a story in the Echo this morning that talks about the amount of people that are visiting 
places like, as an example, Crosshaven. Now, that could be Fountainstown, it could be Crosshaven itself, it could be uh, Myrtleville. But the locals down there are very worried at the high numbers of people who clearly are down there outside their 5K. It's a chance, actually, that the 5K could be reduced to to five from 5k to 2k so hospitals face being overrun as a front pager making the echo today and uh, I suppose if you want to some extent to hone in on issues here in Cork then the echo and uh, to an extent as well the, the examiner is the place to go but um, they're talking about nursing homes vaccinations getting underway now and that's a story that makes the echo as well at the same time uh, we have uh, news this morning of an outbreak of COVID-19 in <coughs> a Cork nursing home there are other stories making the papers today and of course one of them involves Trump um, who was leaning on Georgia officials to find him votes I don't know what's going to happen here what kind of uh, uh, investigation is going to be into the leaking of this tape not not about it being leaked but what Trump had to say as to whether this is a criminal offence um, I think he can be pardoned at a, at a federal level but not at a, at a local level so this um, this Saturday one hour conversation reported by the Washington Post is making all of the international sections this morning because he was actually asking, he was actually asking the um, the officials in in Georgia to um, uh, to throw the election in his favor. Uh, here's some of the audio, incidentally. I don't care how long it takes me. Uh, you know, we're going to have other states coming forward pretty good, but I, I, I won't. This is never given. This is we have some incredible talent said they've never seen anything. Now, the problem is they need more time for the big numbers, but they are very substantial numbers. But And I think you're going to find that they, uh, by the way, a little information, I think you're going to find that they are shredding ballots because they have to get rid of the ballots because the ballots are unsigned. The ballots are, are corrupt, and they're brand new, and they don't have seals, and there's a whole thing with the ballots, but the ballots are corrupt. And you're going to find that they are, which is totally illegal. It's It's... It's more illegal for you than it is for them because you know what they did and you're not reporting it. That's a, you know, that's a criminal, that's a criminal offense. And, and, you know, you can't let that happen. That's, that's a big risk to you and to Ryan, your lawyer. That's a big risk. But they are shredding ballots, in my opinion, based on what I've heard. And they are removing machinery and they're moving it as fast as they can both of which are criminal fines and you can't let it happen and you are letting it happen. You know, I mean, I'm notifying you that you're letting it happen. All I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state and flipping the state is a great testament to our country because, you know, and there's, there's, there's just, a, it's a testament that they can admit to a mistake or whatever you want to call it, if it was a mistake. I don't know. A lot of people think it wasn't a mistake. It was much more uh, criminal than that. So he's saying, I don't know what you want to call it. Don't care what you want to call it. Just find me the votes, one more than him. Find them wherever you find them. And that, of course, will change the uh, course of the election, certainly in Georgia. You would think that that would be a comedic sketch, wouldn't you? Something that was made up or a bit of fake news or fake audio. Uh, but it's not. It's, it's the real thing. Uh, meanwhile, of course, something that also uh, dominates um, the news and was over the weekend is the RTE uh, God sketch, um, where God was arrested uh, by the Gardaí for uh, historic 
sexual abuse, uh, rape, rape, if you like. And I know there are many people who are very annoyed and angry, but I was interested in the news at nine o'clock there to hear Atheist Ireland saying, uh, you know, leave this, leave this alone. RT have apologized for the sketch, New Year's Eve sketch, but they haven't taken it down. But they say they are putting a warning on it. Now, there's a Dáil Watchdog Committee um, and they're looking at that now at the moment and they're going to grill RT's Director General D. Forbes. I bet there's, I bet you that there is no way, I'm just assuming that D. Forbes knew absolutely nothing about this. How, how would she know about the minutia of what would be broadcast on every single RT program? I think it's down to editors or those that, those that made it. But apparently, um, Doyle Aaron would be looking at it uh, and looking at it very closely, wrapping the knuckles really more than anything else. And then other people that are in a bit of hot water include Michal Martin, um, who is, um, you know, He's got choppy water ahead of him with regards to leading Fianna Fáil into the next general election because within Fianna Fáil there are those in revolt who want rid of him and that's the story making uh, the examiner today. So all that and lots more besides. So I'll come back to some other stories and of course we, we know of the disappearance of Tina Satchwell, uh, the Independent, having another look at that story again uh, this morning and the Guardi are saying they are baffled um, with regards to what happened to Tina Satchwell down in Yaw but they believe that she never ever left the country. Lines are open 1850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. But very sad news at the weekend with the passing of uh, Liam Riley from Bagatelle. Um, you know, what a super band. I saw somebody online actually describe him as Ireland's <coughs> Elton John. Uh, and that's very, very true because they had hit after hit after hit after hit and he died at the age of 65 over the weekend. Uh, and uh, one of the big memories I have of of um, um, Liam Riley was his Eurovision uh, song contest where I was absolutely convinced he was going to win and his performance of Somewhere in Europe I thought was absolutely faultless on the night. Deserved to win but Ireland came second that year unfortunately but of course uh, if you were around 40 years ago whenever is it nearly 40 years ago now nearly is uh, when Summer in Dublin was originally released. The first time I heard it, and I think many others as well, realised this is going to be a huge hit. Um, and it's one of those songs that has stood the test of time, not just here, but all over the world, particularly, I think, with expats overseas. Um, but there was a time way back in the early 80s when this song was released, when it was constantly being played over and over and over again. <laughs> Bagatelle, he passed away at the weekend and uh, there was also some very sad news on Lee side over the weekend as well with the passing of Reuben Lynch, very popular musician around Cork and much loved by all who knew him and a fantastic bass player by all accounts of the son uh, of the great uh, Ricky Lynch, uh, who I know well. In fact, many years ago, Ricky Lynch in the 60s band played at my wedding and it was very, very sad to hear the news the death of his son at the weekend found dead on New Year's Day and our thoughts are with his family and his friends. Um, he was a bass player and it's, it's, it's an amazing thing, the bass, because they say, or at least Adam Clayton a recent documentary on the life of Phil Linnett, who himself was a uh, a fantastic bass player uh, Adam Clayton said that um, the bass guitar and the drums uh, unify as one and they drive and control a band so first you have the bass and the drums and then Clayton said and then you add on then you add on all of the girly bits <laughs> which I 
think was a weird way of describing it. But it shows the importance of the bass. And apparently Reuben Lynch was a very proficient. He was the boss bass man, somebody said in an article in the Echo this morning. Uh, and our thoughts are with his, uh, his family and his friends. And of course, also at the weekend, the death of Jerry Martins, Marsden from Jerry and the Pacemakers, who died at the age of 78. He wrote, you'll never walk alone, ferry across the Mersey, and many more hits like that. He came out of Liverpool at the same time as the Beatles, and pow, hit the world stage. Lines open at one 850 You can text 0868 Nice to be back. Hope the Christmas went well for you. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. I see texts coming in already regarding COVID numbers and coronavirus, particularly here on Side. So keep those texts coming. I'll return to that topic after 10. An interesting one here uh, for now it says, Morning, I'm just texting about the alarming rise in COVID-19. 19 cases in Cork over Christmas. They're all connected, I believe, to a bar and people are saying the management knew the bar staff were infected but never closed the bar and people are very angry about it. That's one text. I heard similar texts and comments over the weekend from people saying the same about supermarkets where staff were uh, turning up for work and it was known that they were working within the supermarket. So with everything, of course, you know, there's an awful lot of fakery out there. So it's hard to, it's hard to kind of work out what's true and what's fake. And even the videos and the photographs have been posted on different topics these days. You don't know how reliable they are when it comes to issues of, uh, you know, accuracy. So we'll come back to that, but certainly. Um, we're in interesting times going across the month of uh, January. So more on that a little later on this morning. But something that isn't fake, of course. Um, and I must say that when, when I saw the clips and then went and looked at uh, the longer video of it, I just couldn't believe it. I thought it was absolutely bizarre that RT would do what it was doing. Now, it doesn't really matter to me whether you're a believer or not. I just think that in some things you just need to find humor elsewhere. But they're under fire now because of the, uh, this fake, you know, this made up sketch, um, which was done by Waterford Whispers. And, and I like what Waterford Whispers do. I like that kind of a comedic aspect of life. And, you know, it's, it's good to have alternative types of comedy. But you wonder, are there certain areas that you just stay away from? This, this sketch, of course, wasn't helped by the fact that it was a former RTE newscaster, Angus McGreena, who appeared. So it gave it that aspect of almost validity, if you like. And the clip was saying that uh, God had been arrested over sexual harassment scandals. You, you, you may have seen it in the New Year's Eve countdown. If not, you, you may have seen clips of it online. If not, this is what we're talking about. God became the latest figure to be implicated in ongoing sexual harassment scandals. Years ago. The five billion year old stood accused of forcing himself on a young Middle Eastern migrant and allegedly impregnating her against her will before being sentenced to two years in prison with a last 24 months suspended. Following the news, movie producer Harvey Weinstein requested for a retrial in Ireland. Oh, man. Oh, even when I hear it again, I wonder, wow, why would you do that? Like, what's the point in it? You know, would you do the same with regards to the Muslim faith or Jews or Hindus? Now, they have apologized. Um, and I, when I last checked, the weekend it was 600 complaints. Apparently, there's been 1,100 lodged with the broadcaster over the clip since it was aired uh, on, on New Year's Eve. But we were curious as to what Corkonians thought on the matter. So Seamus Whelan, with the microphone in hand, took to the streets of uh, Cork this weekend, asking people, did they see it? And what their opinion was. Have a listen to this. The funny thing is this, right? The model of Jesus Christ is, uh, is, is recognized by the Islamic faith. And so is Jesus as a prophet. So they were insulting them as well. Let them be aware of that. 
it was outrageous behaviour and he thought he could do it and no one was going to stand up. To be honest with you, I didn't concentrate on it, but it seemed that it was um, fell short a little bit, I think, you know. If I was raped or sexually abused, probably I'd be very hurt, but I'd have to see the programme. But where are we going, like, you know, with things like that? I mean, that's like Trump mocking those with a stammer. God is love, and I've experienced that in my own life, and I don't need to stand up for God and I. God is well able to stand up for himself. And, like, do you do you think it's right, um, I suppose, making a parody out of um, sexual assault and rape? I think more than that, It is ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous. I wouldn't entertain the idea at all at all. I think there's very sick people out there, and they'll target everything. And what do you make of RTE actually broadcasting it? They're a disgrace. They're a disgrace to me. They must have nothing else to do. They must have nothing else to do with broadcasting all that rubbish. Rubbish. The Waterford Whispers, like that's that's all just like for a laugh. And there is a lot of rape occurring in our society. We shouldn't have people like laughing about and joking about, and especially people who have faith and go to church to get any sort of, I suppose, um, you know, feelings of like security. And if they're using that, then like I just think, I think that's awful. Amanda, what do you think? Oh my god, I'm not getting involved Amanda, in this. No, think? I'm not talking about this. This is horrendous. <laughs> it is. It's awful. This is shocking. Well, I'm an atheist. So uh, I think uh, God... God is necessary for some, a lot of people, I think. And they take it far too seriously. It's a guiding... It's an instrument for guidance, I think. Uh, I've denied it. But I think that's funny. I think that... Um, these characters should be caricatured sometimes. But... Yeah, I'm sure it has offended people, I'm sure But what about making a parody out of uh, sexual assault and rape? Do you think that's I acceptable? think that's a very good point, actually. I never really thought it through. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose in, in that any point, should, uh, I suppose, sexual assault be in any way lessened and parodied? Because it's very serious and there's long-term effects with it, like, especially as we've seen in industrial schools and... Um, uh, and children being being sexually abused and the outcome left the rest of their lives. So whether we should par- sexually parody the whole Jesus Christ thing, I suppose it is wrong overall, isn't it? It's not something to be um, laughing about, but maybe you could be a bit too sensitive about these things as well. You know, just take some things the way they're meant to be. I suppose it went just went over the top of small, but I. Was any other language? Uh, there'd any be there'd be a bit of an uproar, wouldn't there? James Whelan on the streets of Cork over the weekend. That was a very interesting piece there with the chap who was uh, his atheist. He doesn't have faith in that regard, but he still at the same time believed, even as an atheist, that for those that do believe, it would be upsetting. Um, so I thought that was a very balanced approach from somebody who isn't a believer at all. Mind you, Bernadette says that the greatest crime about that clip from RTE is a crime against humour. It wasn't even funny. Um, keep those texts coming. Incidentally, RTE may have apologised, but Mike says that Waterford Whispers never apologised. Um, I'm not so sure whether they have or not. I'll take your word on it. I certainly didn't see anything printed anywhere saying that Waterford Whispers apologised for the clip. They obviously thought that it was worth airing and that it was funny enough and that people would take it in the humour in which it was meant. Not altogether true. At the weekend, um, now I know that, uh, you know, the Archbishop uh, Eamon Ryan 
uh, came out very fast on this one. He was said he was absolutely furious to accuse God of rape. And he asked and insisted that RT remove it immediately. Now, RT have refused to remove the clip, but they have put a warning upon it. So people get offended in, in different ways, especially when it comes to issues involving com- comedy or this would be deemed as being alternative comedy. Not so sure what the Bishop of Cork says on the matter. Be interesting to find out and hopefully I will. But yesterday I caught up with Father Tim Hazelwood, who's the parish priest down in Killa. He's a member of the Association of Catholic Priests. Caught up with him to get his thoughts on the matter. Have a listen to this. Father Tim Hazelwood, good morning. Good morning, dear. Thanks for taking the call. Um, you oh, know, wow. the, the latest update or twist in this story with regards to the uh, New Year's Eve sketches that RT has issued an apology. There were about 600 complaints. It was the New Year's Eve sketch. Uh, it was given a lot, lot more credence because there was a former RT newsreader that actually read the piece. God being arrested, uh, accused of sexual abuse of a young Middle Eastern girl. Rape, if you need to categorize it, uh, leading to impregnation against her will resulting in a suspended prison sentence um, what did you make of that? Well I think as the 600 complaints I think it's a lot more at this stage I think uh, a lot of Christians found this uh, offensive you know um, and I think it brings up a lot of questions you know lots and lots of questions and I, I'm involved as you know in the Association of Catholic Priests yeah. and like, we've asked that it could be taken down now I think they have they put a warning or something like that on it, but still that means that at one level they they find it acceptable. And so what we're asking for is that the people who make the decisions about the editorial decisions just come out and say why they found this acceptable. You know, like they're making a mockery not only of the Christian faith, but making a laugh out of rape, yeah. which I don't think is acceptable for anybody. So we as ordinary individuals who pay our TV license, I'd like to know what's the policy in RT and who decides, you know, and be accountable. That's all I think, you know. In their apology and, and subsequent clarification, they said that people get offended in different ways, especially regarding comedy. I mean, you wouldn't accept that this was so far out there uh, that everybody would just assume it's just a bit of comedic nonsense and no more than that, No. I think it's taking it a little bit too far, accusing, uh, making out God to be a rapist and a young girl being raped. I think that is, I think to any religion, I think the chief MM, the head of the Muslim faith, has come out and said the same. And I, like it begs another question, that by doing this kind of thing, what kind of society do we want? I'm all for free speech, and, and I, I know you, in your program, you push the, the limits and put things out there. Mm-hmm. And I think rightly so. But, like, do we want a society where we don't care if we offend all the time? Mm, mm. And I think if we look at, say, the United States at the moment, it's gone to the stage where it, it, it's them and us. It's, it's, all, it's constant conflict and bitterness. And um, you- I think at the heart of our country is tolerance and some kind of understanding. And I think, like, we all love, I like, enjoy Tommy Tierman and I enjoy Father Ted and, yeah. you know, having have a laugh. That's, that's comedy. But this, I think, went a little step too far. Do you know, you, you make a point there regarding America in a somewhat negative light. I, I'm not so sure that that's altogether true, particularly with regards okay. to religion or a belief and, um, you know, uh, a defense of God. You know, I think that they would freak out in America were that to happen 
on television. I, th- I think it would be a White House issue. You know, you know, they're, they're, like we always hear of politicians and people in the public eye saying, "In God we trust." Or you know, yes, yes, do you know yes. what I mean? I, I, like, yes. Whereas I would agree would it, with you. Would it, would it be fair to say that the Catholic Church, perhaps in Ireland, is now so unpopular uh, that it can be mocked without any fear of reprisal? Well, and, and probably with good reason. <laughs> You know, like uh, our history, and I'd say that for the last 25 years, we suffered for it. Yeah. And because we were the ones that nobody could question. Yeah. And we were the ones who condemned. And that, thankfully, that has stopped. Yeah. But now there are others who are doing it. So it, does that make it right? Or do you seem to be the ones who can do it now without answering? Like, I'd like to know who decided... Um, but just to go back to the United States thing, I think you're right. I think there is a form of religion in America that's a lot more extreme and intolerant. But do we want to be like that? I wouldn't like to be like that. I wouldn't like it to live in a society. Uh, I, like, I, I think that it's a, it, one good thing that has come from it is that we're having this conversation. But yeah, so, but I mean, a conversation that has been started from, from my point of view anyway, disbelief that this would ever get onto television, but nonetheless it did. I couldn't help but wonder, for instance, would they have conducted the same kind of sketch uh, with regards to the Prophet Muhammad or the Muslim faith, for instance, or Hindus or Jews? Yes, I, I, that's a good question. And I think other people would have to answer that. And, and I, I saw a few tweets now where that anti-Catholic as opposed to anti-Christian uh, idea is, is very strong and again our history in Ireland is, is very poor we made a lot of mistakes, the church has made mistakes and people I think are, very, are still angry and still hurt because of it and that is understandable but, uh, but I think but this doesn't okay. help this doesn't help does it e- even with the history of sections of the Catholic Church not all but certainly sections of it because does it not mock um, like rape isn't a laughing matter you know it just isn't no. you know no. is, is, is sexual abuse a subject that should be parodied and laughed at at all well that's my point about tolerance like, and, and trying to understand where people are at and this disregards any part of that. Like, the, the, anybody who was make, writing that, or, or the editorial committee who sat down and said, this is okay. If there are young girls, Middle Eastern girls, any girl who has been raped going to be listening to this and making fun of it. So, like, um, it begs questions. And I think editorial committees, like, I'm sure in your program, you sit down and you say, yeah. All right, what do yeah. we do with this stuff? Yeah. And yeah. someone says, sometimes I'm sure, not acceptable. And this is the question that I think RT should come out publicly because they're, they're funded by us. I pay my TV license. I'd like to know who, like, who wrote it, who decided that this should go on and let them defend it. Tell us why. The defense, but the defense, but the defense, they would say, is that it's comedy, and that different people react differently regarding comedy. Some people get offended; others find it funny. Yeah, that's the defense. Okay. Well, then it's back to the issue of what kind of a society do we want? Do we like so anybody who's different? Like I would say that like Christians are becoming a minority in Ireland. So an unpopular minority can be can be laughed at and can be made fun of 
uh, in that regard and is that the kind of society we want and I think we have come a long way we're a lot more understanding of diversity in Ireland now and yeah. tolerance yeah. and that's the way I think we should continue to be and I, I don't think this I'd like to hear what comedians think of that particular uh, sketch you know, Would you think that to some extent might be it's, it's age appropriate to a younger generation perhaps age inappropriate to an older generation maybe well, I'm at the older generation, so you probably are. maybe you're right, maybe you're right, but um, we'd have to ask the younger generation uh, that. And probably when you're younger, you you, you don't take things as yeah seriously yeah. or as you know you you have a laugh off it and that's it. But I like like I was with some of my uh, some of the I had a baptism on Saturday, and and these were young women. There was a few. There was a mother of a child and her sister. They were outraged by it and they were young women young women outraged let's so, see let's see what people make of it this morning with regards to their own thoughts on the sketch but um right. have, have you spoken to other priests on this num- on this matter i one or two that's all i didn't get a chance okay yes and but I, i'll be honest with you know like or do you have a history with with the catholic church in the last few years and are, are we surprised no, mm. you know it's it's, um, and I think we're an easy target because of our history in in, in Ireland. The last number, of years. Um, so, you know, you mentioned an easy target. You yourself were a target back in two thousand and eight. Uh, I remember talking to you about that at the time. In fact, right. I remember you saying that nine priests that you knew of died by suicide because of false false claims of sexual abuse right. of, of children. Uh, thankfully, you were the strength to um, live on. But by God, it took its toll on you, didn't it? Well, it was difficult. It was, it was uh, I think, it, you learn resilience and you learn to get strength and you learn what's important. I did anyway, and I, I went for help and I got support. So, and that's why I, I, there are other people out there who could be hurting because of rape. And I think um, it's very offensive to them, you know. And like little things trigger when you have been the victim of something. Yeah. So... You know, I think I think that's why a little bit of tolerance is needed, and and, and I think we need to put it in perspective too. It's not the end of the world. There's like people are suffering with COVID, and there's people. Oh, I understand that. I understand that. Yeah, like, absolutely. We need to remember that. You know. Yeah, but you know, it, it but, was it was a dark place for you at the time because I remember, oh, wow. you, I remember you saying that you didn't get nobody picked up the phone to see if you were okay Catholic Church didn't come to your aid it was as almost yeah. as if you had to prove your innocence um, as, a, as opposed to somebody else prove your guilt do you know what I mean you had to take a civil action yeah. didn't you yeah yeah and that unfortunately it's still going on I, in our association we support priests who have been accused and there are still some who are in limbo and who are getting the support um, and that's what happens in institutions you know I think people um, people support the institution rather than being kind of what's, the church? Well, what's the church going to do with the lack of priests now surely they're going to have to involve the laity uh, and indeed women an awful lot more because well, there's just not enough priests to go around no and it's very interesting that the new Archbishop elect of Dublin uh, Dermot Fowl I think had a statement I haven't read but uh, it was someone that was quoted to me whereby he had been in charge of uh, preparing men for the diaconate where he said that he could see no problem where that women should be ordained deacons and there is no reason why mm. women straight away shouldn't be ordained deacons 
Like, I think in my own parish, only for the women who walk in the church, we have no church, you know. Um, and in the early church, there were women who are deacons. So it has to, it's going to begin because otherwise, we're, we as as we well as we were, we're finished anyway. Like something new is is coming, and, and part of that newness will be. Uh, the women, you know, a hugely active and leadership role in the church. You think that's inevitable? Inevitable. We're finished otherwise, you know. It's it's, it's the only way. Just as I leave you as we head into this new year with smaller masses, of course, or is there any mass at all? Is it online now? No is mass, it, no. It's just, just online. Just You can just go in to just. say a prayer. Um, any words of comfort or anything for maybe believers or parishioners or those whose faith is important to them who are maybe worried, you know, the Cork numbers are the highest in the country at the moment. We're in a much wow. worse situation regarding positive tests than we were last March, April. Thank God not as many people are dying. But any words for people as we head into the new year? Well, I, I, I suppose I, the Irish Examiner ran a huge piece there lately, looking back a hundred years ago on the burning of the city and on, on that terrible period that was part of Cox history. And people came through it. And I think it was the resilience and support of each other. Uh, and I think that's where faith comes in. People had great faith. And the, the, the heart of the Christian message is, is about hope. And if we look out for each other and support each other and stay away from each other, then we'll get through it. I, just, I think that's the, gives me kind of hope anyway. Okay, good man. All right. Thanks, Father Tim. Happy New Year. Thanks for taking the call. Happy New Year, Neil. Good talking. Bye. 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 Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086 8104 Red FM. Yes, indeed. Text 086 8104 That was Father Tim Hazelwood. Archie seemed to be doing a lot of apologizing these days. Lots of texts, both to the program and also to our social media, which I'll get to regarding the RTE Waterford Whispers sketch. Uh, but calls as well on 1850 104 106. Mary standing by and lots more besides. First up, James, good morning. Uh, good morning, uh, Neil. So you've you've yes. you've seen it, obviously, yeah. No, I I don't want to see it, Neil. I've heard enough about it. I can assure you. Okay, well, you've but, heard uh, it then, at least. Okay. Yes, it's outrageous. I would consider it outrageous, Neil. Why didn't you look and, at it? Uh, I, I am very delighted that. Why didn't you look at it, James? They would shame us for the cock people, the inherent decency of cock people, Neil. All right, can you hear me? Uh, to, can... a, to a man there, they were outraged by it, and probably some of those people might not even be believers themselves. But I can always rely on the decency of the cock people. Ah, wait a second. Not not all. I mean, some people, I'll read out some texts in a few minutes' time from people who think it was funny and people need to get a life. But why didn't you look at it, I'm trying to ask you. No, I wouldn't want to see it, Neil. I, I, I don't need to see it. Uh, but you see, what makes it very interesting is the man who did the voiceover. Angus, Angus Magrina. Yeah. Now, as you know, a former newsreader, and also, which is very important to point out, an advocate for the LGBT. Not relevant, though. The LGBT not relevant. Not relevant. Not relevant. Well, yes, very relevant. No, not relevant, relevant to this. Let's just stick well, yes, to. It is actually relevant, Neil. And I, I'll point out, because if you give it out, Neil, you must take it, you know. Uh, when he's advocating with the LGBT, he's looking for tolerance for his way of life, Neil. He's looking for tolerance. He's looking for understanding and for his way of life. But he wouldn't practice what he preaches, Neil. You know, the, 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 the Pope recently and never been done that, before. That's quite interesting, actually, that, that a newsreader or a former newsreader with years of experience, when given that script, wouldn't have said, uh, hang on a sec, I don't want to read this. This is nonsense. I mean, you, you can imagine. He okay. comes from a long line of newsreaders. Like, you probably would remember Charles Mitchell, Neil. Ah, yeah, but... I mean, no, I'm just saying him himself would have not... Yes, maybe he did, I haven't, I haven't heard. Like Anne Doyle and Brian Dobson. 
But it is comedy at the end of the day. But you also must remember, Neil, now I'm an elderly guy and a tough old bird, I'm not easily offended. But for the majority of people in this country, now, it's probably the elderly who are most devout, Neil. The, the elderly in the nursing homes. Uh, uh, what kind of nasty piece of work would want to hurt those old people, Neil? Haven't they been hurt enough this year in the nursing homes? They're living in terror most of them. I know people even out in the community are living in terror of this COVID. And you come on and you... They, see, they're not the modern generation of the online and maybe the young people can take this, Neil. Mm. They're from a different generation. So why would you want to hurt those people, those elderly people whose, whose life is coming to an end? Their face is what keeps them going. What not nasty piece of work would want to do something like that, Neil? Mm. Because if he was related to me, I'd be deeply ashamed of him, Neil. Who? I am Marina. I would be deeply ashamed of him, Neil. For, 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 reading, the, like for reading the news piece? Yes. To associate with something that is so hurtful, particularly to the elderly, Neil, who is, as you say, as you know, their face is what keeps but, them going. But anybody, but, I know, yeah, but, but anybody that would watch that and look at it would know that it was a comedic sketch and was not to be taken seriously. Ah, well, you know, you, you, I, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the person who likes to see free speech. I like good debate. I've no problem having a debate with a person about the existence of God. And I understand how people don't believe. And I've no problem. And I'd love, love to hear debates about people who, who are genuinely don't have a belief, talking to people have faith and, and having a good civilized debate. That's not civilized. That's gutter, Neil. That is gutter snipe comedy. Uh, you couldn't even call it it's comedy. The, it's the apology. Uh, well, many don't find it funny, actually. And one said that it was a crime against comedy. But is an apology not enough? I mean, I know that, for instance... I, I, not yeah. to interrupt you, Neil, but it's a very milk and watery apology, Neil, if, if, if I say so, by D. Forbes. She should, um, the very least she should do is take it down, Neil. Altogether, from the RT player. As opposed to just put a warning on it. Yes, yes. You know, it's, uh, but as I said, as you said, as you rightly piled out yourself, Neil, I can assure you, if that was a direct attack on Allah, I can tell you, there'd be very serious repercussions for this, Neil. They'd be calling for heads. And uh, you, you, you believe that they wouldn't, that they wouldn't do a sketch like spoken about it, Neil. Who? This is a man who was, uh, doesn't matter whether he's a cockman or not, he's purports to be a practicing Catholic, Neil. Who? who? This man is a practicing Catholic. I'd say that Christian. he has. I'd say that he has bigger fish to fry at the moment. Oh yes, but yeah. you know, it, you know, again, he has elderly constituents in his area. Neil, has he no consideration for them? Might be interesting to get his point of view on it. I'd certainly ask on people's behalf. Hold on a second, there, Mary. Good morning, Neil. Okay, what well, did you see it? Well, Neil, I'll tell you what. Now, I appreciate the apology from RT. And where was the proofreading? Every news is supposed to have a proofreading. Am I right? Yeah, this wasn't a news bulletin, as you know. It was a comedy well, sketch for New Year's Eve. News night. It was? I, mean, Angus, I, I was surprised at Angus. But anyway, a picture speaks volumes. I mean, people of all religions, of all creeds were watching that New Year's Eve. There was no other word to go on either. I think you're saying, are you saying, where was the editorial control that allowed it exactly, to get... Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I, more or less with the Waterford Whispers. But anyway, it got to the core of our, of our religion. I mean, the Holy Spirit is called down by every priest at the Mass before he consecrates the body and blood of Christ, right? Mm. Bread and wine. And that person was called a rapist. And also was called impregnating an Eastern European girl. 
Yeah, I this mean, guy, this guy said that God was God was arrested because of uh, uh, allegations of sexual abuse of he a young Middle Eastern girl. And the, priest, yeah. and the consecration of the mass through the Holy Spirit. It was, a, it was an offence against the Holy Spirit. And really. Harvey Weinstein was looking for a retrial in Ireland. Wow, 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 wow. Would you not accept that now? Well, I'm not getting involved in the Holy Spirit and issues of the Holy Spirit that, coming down, or, I mean, or the or the magical impregnation of Mary. Saying, I'm not going to get in. I'm not going to get into that. But certainly, I know you're not. C- certainly, they're um, going through a lot. There are ten funerals. There are ten people who are dying, and they say mass the people who are bereaved. But there was there was his, lots of historical sexual offences against priests. Of course, there was, and I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. There was, and they, were, they got bold headlines on the paper saying, oh, such a fellow, and he was named sometimes. But then, when he was cleared, you want a reading glass to see what he was found not guilty. Yeah, but let, let's just deal with those that were found guilty and had to be dragged screaming, and the I Catholic know, Church dragged screaming and roaring as well. Yeah, they have to pay the price before God and before the court. But now we forgot about fathers who abuse children. And they might be watching on, on New Year's Eve, and the kids could be watching. No, I'm not disputing that, but yes. I wonder, do either of you think that, as a point I made to Tim Hazelwood, the priest, is the Catholic Church now so unpopular uh, that it can be mocked without fear of reprisals? Well, you see, there's no... Uh, it has to be uh, well, where it comes in. And people thought that, uh, they, I, I presume, thought they could say what they want to. But there are an awful lot of people, young and old, who still respect the Catholic Church. And they get their children baptized, they get married in the church, and unfortunately they're taken to church when they die. Yeah, but a lot of them are hypocrites. That They don't go near a church at any other time except for a I ceremony. I understand that fully, but still the seed of faith is there. Okay, okay. And, okay, thanks Mary. James, do you believe that it is, um, you know, so unpopular that it can be mocked without fear or reprisal? Oh, well, you see, we mustn't measure the popularity of the Catholic Church by what happens in Ireland. And you, you know, the, the Pope, uh, Pope Francis, is not able to go back to his own country, Argentina, because the crowds would be so large, Neil, that they would not be able to cope with it. They'd come from all over South America, Honduras, uh, Brazil, Peru. So that's why he can never return to his own country while he's Pope, because the country could not cope with the crowds that would come to see him. So that shows you how popular the Catholic Church still is, Neil. Okay, thanks for that, James. Is rape a laughing matter? guys text 0868 104 106 back after 10 104 to 106 red fm this is the neil friendville show okay text wise and this is a mixture of text and also some of our facebook and twitter comments georgina says with regards to the rte news sketch we live in a sad world when there is outrage over a comedy sketch but no outrage over child rape and clerical abuse I fear society will never be concerned with the rights of any child to live a life without being raped, but instead turn to support the church. It's an interesting point of view, actually, because the sketch, um, you know, does involve uh, child rape. Uh, Owen says it was disgraceful. How can people associate with this as comedy? Kathleen says, I watched it, couldn't believe my eyes. I didn't find it a bit funny. Absolutely dreadful and shocking. Rubbish TV as usual. Johnny says, RT are very fast to attack Catholicism in all forms, but they wouldn't do it to any other religion or religious figures. It's double standards and hypocrisy. Yes, there are a lot of people have been saying, um, when is the next sketch now where you'll do something similar with regards to Muhammad? Jar says, whoever in RT considered this pathetic excuse for amusement 
that it would be inoffensive to people is operating way below their pay grade. New Year's Eve was a night to forget. Astrid, mocking is rarely tasteful in any form. I'm sad to see so many people take offence, but this means the church indoctrination still works, no matter how many women and children have been and still are abused. Too many priests have used the same excuse, both with their followers and the nuns. It is, regardless, a rotten institution to the core and completely gone past the real teachings of Jesus. David says it's funny how all the atheists are judgmental as any zealous Catholics. Um, Pushing religious beliefs on people just isn't right, but neither is ridiculing people for holding religious beliefs just because you don't. The Catholic Church did carry out a lot of despicable acts against most vulnerable in many countries around the world. They do have a lot to answer to. This piece just isn't funny, though. Um, Neave says, I don't think it's right to laugh or make a mockery of women getting sexually abused, and it's not right since Me Too uh, started. Ben says, there would be trouble if they insulted Allah or Muhammad wouldn't there. Nicole, Nicole says, a disgrace, embarrassing to our nation. Mag said, they reviews, re- removed certain episodes of, faulty t- of uh, Father Ted and Faulty Towers, didn't they? This makes RTE in 2021 uh, only in Ireland. Uh, Tony says, people need to get a life. There are much more important issues to take offence to. People have too much time on their hands these days. And Jerry says, not a Christmas tree, decoration, holly, tinsel or box of roses or heroes on the TV set. God almighty, the set was so miserable and dark. You'd swear they did it on purpose. I was not impressed at all. And there's many more like this. People, people, says Christopher. It is called satire. If you don't like that humour, switch it off. Uh, Christina says, people need to realise this isn't about the Catholic Church. It's about the PC world we live in and how absolutely everything gets twisted and turned inside out. It was a joke on the PC brigade and not on the church. It was just to show that you could paint a bad picture of even the holiest things if someone decided to target them. I hope that makes sense. Um, Avid said, it was funny enough to be fair. Also, just remember that the Catholic Church has done a hell of a lot worse in real life if you're offended about the joke, but not about some paedophiles who can live here rent-free after raping children, murdering babies and abusing young women, then you need to seriously look at your priorities. And there are many more like that, which I will come back to. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Um, and I will be updating on coronavirus as well this morning, particularly here in Cork. David, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How's um, I also, and you too, many happy returns. I also heard uh, over the Christmas that uh, a church in Cork was ransacked. Is that right? That's right, our parish church up here in Holly Hill, not Nihini, uh, Neil. St. Mary's on the Hill, wasn't it? That's right, last Monday night, yeah, it was, it's a, it, I mean, in, in, in 2021, like, uh, I mean, to Christmas week of all weeks, like, to, to break into a church and, and do the damage that they done. When they, when they broke in, was it in the middle of the night? Yeah, about half a one and two o'clock. They, they, they broke in, yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't know exactly how many people were there, but they definitely were maybe one or two. But and what about, and talk to me about the damage that was done. Well, I tell you now, um, the, the damage, the, the, first of all, they smashed a big, huge stained glass window to get in, um, the, which cost a lot of money to repair, uh, to put in, and, and it'll cost a lot of money to repair as well. And when they, when they got in, they're probably looking for money, I suppose, or, 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 or copper, what they were looking for, I don't know. But anyway, do you know, do you know what a candelabra is, Neil? Yeah. I do. You know, when you go to the church and you 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 put your money into into the, into the little candelabra and you take and you light a candle. 
Ah, oh, okay. I, I thought a candelabra hung from the set. Yeah, okay. All right. It's, it's, where, it's where you light a candle, yeah. That's right. Well, there's three or four of them. There was money in them, like, and uh, they tried to force the money out, but they couldn't get the money out. So they took all the candles off the top, off, and then they smashed, smashed them all. All the grease then from the candles went all over the carpet and destroyed the whole place. And um, they done that all. Then they, 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 they were trying, they were taking the brass brass pots for flowers. Then they, they thought that the station on the cross on the wall were actually made of brass and they took a few of them down. Oh, for they God's were, sake, they, they really did wreck. They, they, they didn't, well, they weren't made of brass so they left them behind and they, they damaged the, the lights, the, the lights, in the, the new lights in the church. They damaged, uh, they damage, they, they, Sounds they, if they're completely ransacked. My, my apologies, there is a, a, a distinct difference between a candelabra and a chandelier. My apologies for confusing the right. two. I, uh, yeah. And they were like, I, I mean, I, I just that they couldn't get the money out of the candelabra. I think they actually were wheeling them over the shopping. You're so, joking me. So, well, they, if they were, well, they're fairly big machines, like, so if they were, had, if they were taking three or four of them out, like, on what you've said to me, it seems as if it was money related. They were in there looking for money. Yeah, yeah, but uh, like no, in fairness, no, in fairness, no. The there was actually the police told me actually two, a couple of days ago that there was some gentleman from the south side actually went for a walk there in the last couple of days. Uh, up to the, and he came all the way up to the north side, past the church, and went in and said a prayer, and he happened to meet the priest inside in the church. And he turned around first time ever in the church, and he said, "He said, Father, he said, I've been a lot of churches in cock in, in my lifetime." He said, "But this is the nicest and cleanest church I have ever been in." He said, "Because there's a there's a, there's a, a, a lot of uh, volunteers, women would come into the church, uh, maybe one or two morning every week, and completely clean all the brass. One woman does all the brass. One does the floors. One cleans the seats. One hoovers the carpet. There's a great." Um, Volunteers I know, and, and, and I suppose the clean-up started fairly quickly, did it? It did, uh, yeah. So, like, you know, the, you know, no, the, and, like, the church, the church was 40 years old in July, uh, last July. All right. And, as you know, there's no, um, there's no uh, mass collection in the church, since there's no income coming into the church since last March. So, uh, and he, he, the father, Greg, Greg Howard, put in new lights. Like, if, if, you, if you came into the church, no, Neil, at mass, I was Sunday, or even at night time, would be better again. And so the new lighting that he put in, it was like, it was like, just like the lighting at Parky Keeve, the, 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 the floodlights. Okay, okay. So I think there would be, I think there would be a handy few bob in the in so, the candle holders, though. I think there would be, and maybe I don't know, maybe maybe. No, no, they didn't get, they didn't get any of that. And and there probably is CCTV, so that's a guard investigation. What, what did you, what did you make of the RT sketch, incidentally? Just before I, I would like you, you don't know, over the years, Neil, whenever anything happens, that's. That's a sad story. You know, the people of Cork always come up trumps, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just, I just on behalf of myself, like in a couple of the, the people involved in the church, just a kind of an appeal if anyone, if anyone could help in any way um, to, 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 uh, to, 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 to help out, like uh, with the repairs or. Well, listen, if they so choose, they can get in touch with St. Mary's yeah, on the Hill Church directly get themselves. In touch with the, right. touch with the, with the, with the parish office or with the. All right. Our, 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 or the Greg Hall himself, you know okay. what I mean? All right, okay, good point, well made. And with regards to the RT New Year's Eve sketch? Well, uh, first of all, you know when you're watching something on television, Neil, and, and, you, and you hear something, and next thing you say, 
Not everybody believes that, right? You, you yeah, appreciate yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but that's, that's, what, that's, uh, that's what it is. And as a matter of fact, if you want to talk to someone, someone a lot more, well, I won't say interesting. I heard them earlier on this morning on, 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 on News Talk, the, the chairman of Atheist Ireland. Not yeah, I heard a clip on them there at, at 10 o'clock this morning. He was quite balanced okay. about it, actually. Well, he said, he said he didn't find any of the comments offensive. But he finds the Bible very offensive. Oh, well, that's a different chapter than the one I heard then. Yeah, okay. He finds the Bible very offensive and he couldn't find anything offensive about what was said on the TV the other night. But I suppose that's why he's an atheist. Okay, all right. Appreciate it. Thanks for that. Much obliged as always. one 850 Be interested in talking with atheists. Text 0868-104-106. And I also got an interesting text as well this morning. I saw it earlier on. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, the Muslim community... And those representing the Muslim community come out of the weekend as well are very critical uh, of the sketch itself. Uh, but uh, Jean says, Neil, can you ask the leaders of the Muslim faith in Cork their views, perhaps? I never knew that Muslims believed in Mary. I only heard it on your show. Can you f- ask uh, them on our behalf if they find it offensive? I'm not 100% sure of uh, Muslims' belief in Mary. I'll, I'll take your word on that. Certainly um, a belief in God, without a doubt. Um, but worth progressing or checking out with regards to Muslims here on Side again get in touch 1-850-104-106 Dennis good morning Dennis can you hear me alright hi everybody how's it going good thank you you don't like the Catholic Church uh, and no, this is your I'm kind not. of joke but yes but uh, I'd be a staunch atheist so someone you'd be looking to talk to um, yeah. my problem with this is when it's on on New Year's Eve countdown, read out by someone people know to be a newsreader, after the sort of year we've had where people have... I know I'm living in the UK, which is what it is, but I know it's been worse over there with levels of lockdowns and things like that. I don't think it's... It's really the thing to be putting on that sort of time, personally. At any time, or just at that time? No, 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 at that sort of time. I don't think, like, I'm... I'm against any sort of blasphemy laws or anything like that. But there's a time and a place for everything. Like, I w- you wouldn't put something like that on in the middle of not we, We've, in the middle of, we've got rid of the blasphemy law here, though. You know, 
Yeah, look, and I know that, and that's what I mean. I'm not in favour of, of having blasphemy laws and not having jokes. Like like it, it could and be determined as hate speech, however, though. Well, it could be, apart from... <laughs> my other problem, I've got... There's three things. There's the, the programming itself. Uh, secondly, it just wasn't a very well-written sketch. In terms of... It'd be hard to call it hate speech when they're not really nailing down any particular god... I've heard people talk about how it's got nothing to do with Jesus. It's right. The sketch doesn't have anything to do with Jesus either. This is to do with his father. It's to do with his father of God, who is a celestial being, we'll say, or is he? Because, you know, if you go fundamentalist Christian or Catholic or whatever, you're talking a fellow who's 10,000 years old, and if you go by science, you're 14 billion years old, and they call him 9 billion years old. Uh, They called her Middle Eastern. By what people believe, it seems like she was Somalian. Things like, you know, in in my opinion, it wasn't a very well written sketch either. But I think having it on at that time is certainly not the best. And thirdly, I don't, I couldn't imagine them doing a similar joke about Islam and Muslims. Not, 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 not in a month a of Sundays. No, no, not a hope in the world. And considering what's been happening in the last few years, when people have been doing blasphemous jokes. Some people would say, oh, well, I can't blame him, but no, I think that's an outrage. But, I've seen, but, but, but it, maybe it's a black form of humour, you know, it's satirical. Like, anybody that would watch that would know that this is just a, a piece of comedy. To a point, but there's some people who have been locked in their home for nine months, and they believe, I mean, like I say, I'm a staunch atheist, and I'm very much against religion, in terms of organised religions. However... I do have feelings for people and if someone's been locked in their home for nine months, the year's about to end and they're watching the New Year's countdown and they see that sort of thing read out by a newsreader they know as a newsreader. Yeah, it was was kind of interesting. I saw a text earlier on this morning saying, in our house, Mm. two things that we watch late are both over the Christmas period. One is the toy show with our children and secondly, the New Year's Eve countdown with our children. Fella said by text earlier on this morning to me, my son asked me, uh, why has God been arrested? Yeah. See, there's a there's a perfect example. Like I think, if the jokes had been better, if it had been a better written sketch, I would have found it enjoyable at a different time. So you you, you know do I mean? not believe, but at the same time, I I'm getting the impression from you that you respect the views of those that do. To a point, I mean, I respect anyone's view as long as it doesn't hinder on laws and things like that. And if their moral values are there, then it's fine. But when it comes, and there is a horrible history, and not just in the past, still ongoing, of things priests have done and other people in the church have done, and names aren't being handed over. So we can't be abiding saying that that's somebody, sorry, somebody mentioned earlier that things happened in the past. Things are still happening. However, that doesn't mean that any joke is acceptable at any time. Do you, you, somebody said that uh, there was uh, an atheist speaking this morning on News Talk who found the Bible offensive. Would you? Uh, I. Personally, I mean, you know, if, if you read into it, you know that the Bible was put together at different times in history. So to take it literally, even to take it metaphorically, is very ridiculous. And a lot of the things in there, I've, yeah, a lot of the things in there has got slavery. It's got people handing their sisters over and swapping, like, their sister with someone else's and things like this sort of madness. So I, I, would, I would find it offensive to a degree, but I wouldn't... As a nonsense book, I mean, we've got better material these days to go off if you want moral stories. Jesus, the first Iron Man story was basically the Jesus story in the films. 
if you, if you watch that film, you can pretty much track the story of Jesus from it without going into sort of immaculate conception and nonsense. Okay, okay. Well, maybe, sorry, that's, something, wanna... maybe that's something that I'll drill into with a little bit more time off and check, yeah, that, sorry, check out that aspect. Okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm not a great communicator. Um, you are yeah. a great communicator, and I do appreciate your call. Thanks for that. I, 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 I'm picking up a lot of tolerance from you in spite of, um, you know... I, well, I try to be, but yeah. as I say, the problems with that were, yeah... It was more of how it was written. There was there was better yeah, ways of doing okay. it as well. Not good comedy. Not yeah. Okay. Not Thanks, great Dennis. Comedy. Take care. You're, are you you're in the UK then? Are you? I am. Yeah. No longer in Europe. Obviously, we've we've floated away now. I think. I think that was the plan. Seventy five thousand deaths in England. Forty six fifty thousand yeah, daily cases. What's going on? Uh, it's it's gone uh, from from pretty bad to pretty worse. And the the worst thing is. The decisions that are being made are being made a day before. I'm a postman. I was dropping off COVID test kits. Sorry, this tangent. It's dropping off COVID test kits today because the schools are due to reopen this week. And this morning, as I've gone into three of the schools, uh, they're receiving phone calls saying we might have to cancel that plan. They may not be coming back for a month. And the same could well happen here. We shall have to wait and see. Mind yourself. Thanks a lot, Dennis. Stay safe. Appreciate it, pal. Take care. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Okay, I'll come back to other calls on different topics across the morning, but it had been mentioned earlier on this morning that we would be taking another look at uh, COVID-19 and coronavirus because the numbers have just rocketed upwards with 4,962 cases being reported yesterday, seven uh, deaths. Um, They're not talking about only testing the vulnerable. Uh, since all this started, 2,259 people have died from COVID-related illnesses. And last night, there was an appeal put up by Teresa O'Brien, who's the clinical nurse manager in the ICU area of the CUH. She said, I appeal to people to please stay at home. As a critical care worker, my job is possibly right now overwhelming me and my colleagues, and I am extremely worried. My worst fear is to not be able to save a life and do my job because I do not have enough pairs of hands. And in capitals, she says, I beg you all to please stay at home. She stepped out this morning to take a call from me, the clinical nurse manager at the ICU and the CUH, uh, Teresa O'Brien. Teresa, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Um, You sound worn out, incidentally. Um, I imagine you probably are, are you? Well, um, I am. I'm a bit mentally worn out from from being at work, but, you know, it's, it's what I do, so... Now, what we what we do know is that um, 100 nurses at the CUH are out because they either have contracted or have come in touch with someone who has uh, COVID. And I also heard this morning uh, that wards are closed at the CUH and the ICU is full. Is that right? Well, at the moment we are at capacity. So, yeah, and we are we are working on plans to you know increase that capacity so that we're trying to get staffing being at nurses and doctors and other healthcare workers. So, yeah, we are pretty overwhelmed at the moment. Impossible to prepare for this, I'd imagine. I imagine it, it, it I can tell you that it is because we, we started all this back in March and April and we were quite overwhelmed then, but we've had time to prepare, but I don't think any amount of time is going to allow us to prepare for the influx of patients, especially over the last few days. And I suppose my first day of worry where I felt really worried about what was going on was over the new year and I felt I had to put out a plea to the public to just ask them to stay at home and to help us 
Were you, were you worried or colleagues or professionals within your profession worried before Christmas when things got relaxed somewhat with the run up to Christmas? The amount of people that would be allowed into homes, uh, pubs that serve food being opened, people socializing. Was that a worry at the time that we would lead to numbers like this? For, for me, it was. And uh, for a lot of my colleagues, it was. We were thinking weeks before Christmas, even when we were in the lockdown up to December, that, you know, if the lockdown is lifted, that it, there would be an influx. And we were preparing that there would be a, an influx of patients. We anticipated that ourselves, just talking to each other amongst each other. But I don't know that I could be an expert enough to say what is the right decision for the country to do, because obviously I would prefer a lockdown for me as a healthcare worker. That's what I can see as the easiest option to deal with it. But obviously, you know, that's not that's not the option that we can take every time because there's a lot more to consider. Nor is it a decision that you would make as a clinician, of course. Exactly. But, but, but in spite of the decision, we're looking at huge numbers, absolutely enormous, particularly uh, in Cork. Um, wh- wh- where are we at now? Because I'm, I'm hearing as well that there are people walking around asymptomatic and they don't know how they have, and they're saying that they won't be testing people uh, with symptoms anymore. Is, is that right? Well, I mean, I can't really speak to that, Neil. I can only speak to what's going on in my own unit at the moment and what's going on for me. But I mean, I've heard that on the news and I understand that is, but I believe the whole system is overwhelmed at the moment. Be it the public health and testing centres and the hospitals. And can you, just, can you actually describe what it's like within the ICU area of the CUH? Um, just, just talk us through a typical day. Well, a typical day without a person having COVID is you, you're coming in and you're one-to-one with a, po- with a patient who is on life support. So to all intents and purposes, the nurse at the end of the bed, along with the doctors, are doing everything for that patient. So your whole day is taking up monitoring bloods, oxygen levels on a ventilator. You're doing every activity of daily living for them. So anything to do with, you know, even having your bowels open. We're doing all that. So then with the patient who has COVID, um, that increases exponentially because the main thing we're worried about is the person's ability to breathe and that is completely compromised when the person has COVID. But the treatment is much better now as opposed to, we've learned an awful lot more, haven't we, than say this time last year. Yeah, Absolutely. We have learned a lot more, but we're still dealing with the day-to-day of it every day here and it, it's just become more difficult for us to deal with it as nurses on the floor because there's so many patients coming in and there's less of us than patients, which is which is what the worry is. And this is the 100 nurses at CUH that aren't there at the moment but were, say, a week or 10 days ago, is it? Exactly, and right now we, we, we need them. And is there, again, it's not a decision of yours, but is there any plans to try and supplement those numbers, No. Yeah, there are active plans going on at the moment with the higher management of the hospital and, you know, we're all, we're being kept updated at all stages. But as you can imagine, it's very difficult just hour to hour at the moment. And can you give us any indication as to who's in ICU, um, particularly with regards to age groups and what have you? I mean, how many? I wouldn't be at liberty to divulge that information, Neil, I'm sorry. Okay, but I suppose your plea is for people to stay at home. My plea is for people to stay at home and to help to help us by staying at home, by not going out to other people's houses, 
you know, it does help. I've done it myself since March and April. I have stayed at home. I've kept my family at home. I have an elderly mum and dad and I pleaded with them and they are listening to me. And, you know, I have kept my family as safe as I can, but I need other people to do the exact same thing. Okay, okay. Um, And listen, thanks for taking the call. Thanks for taking the time out. I'll let you get back, Teresa. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you very much. Cheers for now, Teresa O'Brien, the clinical nurse manager in the CUH ICU. It's interesting, even, I mean, I don't know where you guys are in your own personal lives in this, but certainly, um, you know, I remember, you know, for months and months and months talking about COVID on the air, talking about coronavirus on the air as we did through uh, last year, but not actually knowing anybody apart from lots of people that I spoke to on air who had it. Of course, that has changed for many people now uh, in recent times. And uh, even over this weekend alone, I've heard of three different people uh, who have uh, tested positive. Now, that wasn't the case with me last year. I wasn't hearing these kind of things. Now, it's fine because if you're hunkering down and, you know, staying at home and not engaging or meeting people, um, and I imagine th- those people that I know of were also doing something similar. But Christmas made a huge difference, if that can be sure. And they're now saying that people uh, have it who don't know they have it. Um, and I suppose that's fine as long as you're not out mixing, you know, with different people. We know all of how it is with regards to the CUH and certainly in the ICU. We've just heard it there. But from the point of view of doctors at the front line, Dr. Dermot Quinlan is with Woodview Family Doctors in Glanmire. And I know that this is changing rapidly by the hour. And certainly over the past couple of days, we saw a huge increase in numbers in Ireland and indeed in Cork. Dr. Dimmer, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, I was just listening to Teresa there and I absolutely would empathise with what she says. I also have elderly parents and I have four children. Um, and the numbers that we know in secondary care in hospital are very high. I was working in South Dock last Saturday evening and on Saturday last, South Dock had 1,731 calls. So it's a huge number of people contacting South Dock and their GPs. South Dock have doubled their staff numbers taking the calls and doubled the number of doctors working in South Dock. And when I was on, like there was nine doctors working uh, together and it was all we could do just to keep pace with what we were with the number of calls we did manage to do it now one of the things that the admin team have found is that people ringing south dock uh, like we obviously need some demographics and they didn't have their pps number or gms number so that would be very helpful yeah. um i think it's important for people and like i would say we, we need to stay safe stay at home as Teresa said and you know she said she got her family to stay at home um, and that we all need to look after ourselves in a positive fashion like exercise diet proper sleep and then looking after other people you know, in terms of looking after our uh, family members and mentally and physically staying in touch with our friends. And one thing that's really positive, Neil, is that the number of close contacts of people in recent days has dropped very substantially. So people are getting the message. They are doing what Trees has asked us, which is to self-isolate, you know, to reduce our number of contacts. But the, but the, numbers, would, the numbers wouldn't agree with that, though, would they? The, the numbers will continue to rise, but the number of close contacts of patients, of people who've been identified, are actually falling. So very clearly the message is that people are restricting their movements. They're not meeting anymore. I think it's important when people have to recognize the signs and symptoms of COVID. And really there's five, really. It's fever, cough, loss of sense of smell or taste aches and pains and fatigue and if people develop these needs they should self-isolate immediately and that means go into your bedroom ring your GP ring the out of hours ring South Dock and you know you will have a test um, and you know that will be arranged fairly promptly so that people would self-isolate and then 
find themselves isolating as a potential case, their their close contact, household contacts essentially should remain at home. So the person who has the symptoms immediately goes into their bedroom and stays there. And if they turn out positive, they are uh, they need to stay in their bedroom for the ten days as per public health. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's very positive. The vaccine is on the way. The vaccine rollout has started. Yeah, but can I? I mean, you're 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 the medical director for the Irish College of GPs, right? Yeah. Um, what is it with the vaccine? Because it strikes me that we're very, very slow um, when you compare it, say, to uh, the UK or, or Northern Ireland. Like the UK now is rolling out two different vaccines in the north. They're rolling out, and there's only five million of us on the, on, in, in the Republic, but they're, they've rolled out Pfizer and today they're rolling out Ox, the Oxford vaccine as well. Um, the HSE have a programme of vaccination on the way and we're very fortunate that over 2,000 staff in Cork University Hospital were vaccinated in the last few days. So certainly there is a very substantial moves afoot to, to roll out the vaccine, uh, particularly to the high-risk groups, which are the frontline healthcare personnel and also older people, particularly in nursing homes. We are aligned, as you know, Neil, with the EU and the European Medicines Agency rather than the UK. And the UK have gone ahead of the European data and uh, health authorities. So we, we are closely aligned and we are following European policy. But that means that European policy then is frustratingly slow, no? Um, I suppose that that's beyond my yeah. capability to talk about the European policy. But I think we I mean, you would have thought Ireland that we would have just... are aligned with that. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not part of the planning process. And maybe it's a lack of availability of the vaccine. That would make sense. But if it wasn't lack of availability of the vaccine, then surely it would be all hands at the pump. Everybody involved, including uh, retired medical professionals being brought in, including GPs, pharmacies, everyone, the army, everybody being vaccinated fast as possible. Maybe I'm oversimplifying yeah, so, it. No, I, I don't think you are, Neil. I think certainly there is a very extensive program underway. We are experiencing limitations in, in supply of vaccine. But that, that is could a, be the reason, a, yeah. A pan-European, yeah. A pan-European issue. Um, but we are certainly getting our share of the European vaccines. And as the additional vaccines uh, become licensed, we will get those as well. But I think that isn't going to, while it is really important and it's a fantastic ray of light in this very dark time, it isn't going to, it isn't going to help us in the current two or three weeks. So I think it comes back to the stay safe, stay at home, look after yourself, look after others, recognize the symptoms of COVID. If people develop them, they self-isolate immediately, contact their GP, contact South Doc. If you do contact your GP or South Doc, and in my own practice, you know, we are still open. We are, all the doctors are continuing to work, but we are providing essential services and and doing telephone consultations and foot uh, video consultations and then people who are unwell we are seeing them so we are supporting our secondary care colleagues our hospital colleagues and continuing to work in my own case like I have had two episodes for family members in my own house have had COVID in the last three months so I have uh, and I know Teresa said there's a hundred nurses down in, in uh, CUH Certainly, like I have been out of work, working remotely from home on two occasions since October. Okay. We have had staff members out and most GP practices have had staff members out of work, but often working remotely, continuing to work remotely um, for that time. And 
So these, these are very pressing times for everyone. Well, they are, and there, there is an element of it all being overwhelmed. There are plans now to stop testing people with COVID symptoms and just telling them to go straight to isolation at home. Track and trace seems to have collapsed, and they are now only talking about testing only the vulnerable. Isn't that where we're at now? I, I suppose the, the first thing is we have a capacity of 25,000 per day, which is a very substantial capacity. In, in the recent past, 40% of that, Neil, was testing close contact. So given the overwhelming numbers at the moment, that has been changed to testing those, to focus the testing on those who are symptomatic. So by stopping testing close contact, we've essentially created an additional 40% capacity in the testing system, which is very valuable. If the numbers continue to escalate, then clearly, you know, we will exceed the testing capacity and then we need to identify who are the most important people to test. And these are, you know, the medically vulnerable groups like the older people. So that I think decisions are being made at NEFID and at national level, which are evidence-based and, you know, are using our available resources as best we can. Uh, And the message really is for everyone, you know, to stay safe, stay at home, look after themselves, look after others. And, you know, it is about, you know, doing people's best as they can and minimizing the number of close contacts. Again, you know, if people develop symptoms to self-isolate immediately. Okay, let me, let me just talk to you. Let me just talk to you about that. I'm not cutting across you because this is relevant to what you're saying. Like, f- first, firstly, uh, you know, I hear that of those being tested, 17% are presenting as being as being positive. So that that's quite high. What is the R number? Do you, do you know that off the top of your head? I don't. I don't know the R number off the top of my head. It's clearly above one anyway. I can be sure of that probably a lot higher than one. Yeah, obviously, obviously that would be a given. Um, I, I'm also hearing that when people contact the HSE for a test, it's very very slow and anybody coming back to them is is it a case then that people should contact their GP as first port of call. I thought the first thing when people develop symptoms is to self-isolate and then contact our GP or the out of hours. So we are we are triaging people, we are arranging tests, even though it is really busy and people may experience delays in contacting their doctor. But if, if someone has symptoms, essentially they need to self-isolate in their bedroom until they get their test results. And then the test result determines what happens after that. Um, so the HSE, and I know the testing staff, because I've been tested uh, in the run-up to Christmas myself, and, you know, they, they have great uh, flexibility in the system that they can increase the number of people testing and the number of tests undertaken. And, you know, the staff there have been doing a phenomenal... For now, in fairness to them, but they are, they are talking about it being overwhelming and that they will have to make more changes where they would plan to stop testing people, even with COVID symptoms, and ask them to go straight to, to isolation. isolation. Yeah, and yeah. Th- that could be the next thing to happen, that and reducing the 5K to 2K, which could well be decided later on today. But can I just ask you, uh, and this is better summed up in a text from John. He says, can you ask Dr. Dermot, if you're a close contact of a confirmed case and you get a negative test result, can you go back to work? No, if you're a close contact of a confirmed case, uh, you, you must self-isolate as per the HSE guidance. You know? Even if you get a negative test? A neg- the negative test only has to do with contact tracing for that person. So if a negative test, like I, I'm, I was a close contact, I had two negative tests, but I was still essentially restricting my movements for 14 days. So the testing, and, and they have stopped testing close contacts to, to create capacity in the testing. So 
if you are a confirmed close contact, you are essentially uh, restricting your movements for 14 days. And what would a close contact be deemed to be? I thought that that that's up to public health. The public health doctors decide that. But essentially, it's it's more than fifteen minutes within a two meter distance. You know, but it's up to the public health doctors. They determine who is a close contact. Okay. People can, you know, so people who are positive will get a phone call from public health. Um, many people, a substantial number of people, unfortunately, haven't been answering those phone calls. Uh, and then part of that is that the phone the phone numbers that have been given may be inaccurate. So I would ask people... Yes, and I heard also that there are those that not only gave accurate phone numbers, but just aren't answering their phone. I suppose lots of people, myself included, are slow to answer when they when they don't recognise a number. But again, the HSE are making five, at least five efforts to contact people who are positive uh, to get the details. And then they send a text to their deemed people who are so. So if someone is positive and they give a list of close contacts, the HSE contact the close contacts by text, advising them that they've been decided that they are a close contact and that they must restrict their movements, uh, that is essentially stay at home for 14 days. Regardless of whether they get a test or not, because the test Regardless. is only good in the moment, yeah. isn't it? They're not, they're not going to do the testing at the moment. Now, we will, we will once we get this uh, current surge under control, and we will get it under control, it is very likely they will start to tra- track and trace again at that stage. But for the moment, we're focusing our testing capacity on people who have symptoms. And that may well change again, as I said. Now, and, well and just so. finally, how much of this do you put down to Christmas socialising? I suppose it's very hard to tell, Neil, isn't it, whether it's Christmas socialising, which probably played a part, or whether it's the increased infectivity of the variant from the UK. Um, so it's probably a combination of both of those. Okay. Listen, thank you for taking the time this morning, dear. I do appreciate it. Dr. Dermot Quinlan with Woodview Family Doctors in, in Glanmire. And uh, your thoughts are welcome on this text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Dermot is also a medical director for the Irish College of GPs. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Okay, so healthcare staff are uh, um, out, 100 nurses in the CUH. Some of them have contracted COVID, some have come in touch with COVID, and you heard what Dr. Dermot said there with regards to being a close contact. Now, big question will be asked this week about schools and creches and kids and parents mixing at the school gates and kids inside in the schools. Um, I did see this morning on BBC Five Live that they had a report that there are wards full of children in the UK with COVID. COVID-19. That's kind of alarming, isn't it? Uh, Never mind our borders and the issues with vaccines. You know, we have the Pfizer and the Oxford. Pfizer is good, but you need two jabs. Oxford's better because it's just the one. And some are critical that it's very slow and that we didn't prepare as fast as we we should. And then, of course, we had all sorts of uh, stories over the past 10 days or so with regards to Christmas socializing. And we heard of people who were booking three, four and five different restaurants and bouncing from one to the next, particularly pub restaurants and having food. In fact, also there was stories which I can categorize as being true, having seen it with my own eyes, of people in pub restaurants that never ever had any intention of eating any food, but had a napkin and a knife and fork in front of them at their tables and they were lofting away. Then, of course, on top of that, you had the issue regarding home visits um, and lock-ins. There were various lock-ins in Cork pubs over the Christmas by invite only. And we saw issues then around the country where the Gardaí were raiding she-beans. One or two of them were far from a she-bean. They looked like glorified pubs themselves. 
uh, with everything and anything that you would see in a pub, including a pool table. And then there are issues, of course, as a result of this, which would be other medical emergencies and other medical appointments and surgeries and cancer care and issues non-COVID related, but still connected, which would be depression and isolation um, and suicide cases. I heard of two suicide events, uh, two suicide deaths at the weekend uh, just known to me. And the wards are closing and the ICU is full. The message is to stay at home. We possibly will have an announcement later today where the 5K will possibly be reduced uh, to 2K. And of course, um, I have heard over the Christmas as well of a few pubs in the, on Side who just tore the hole out of it, totally and utterly. Now, a lot of the things that you see um, would be deemed as, as I call fakery, fake news. Um, and some of the videos circulating are fake, but there are some of them that I have seen from people who were in one or two establishments that were true and they were horrifying. Uh, and there are a couple of pubs on Leaside actually should ask themselves some serious questions um, uh, over the Christmas period because there are suburbs apparently where COVID has gone wreck and can be traced back to one or two different pubs, I'm told. This is the third wave we're in now. And I know I was saying just before midday that I think we are in now what we thought we would be in last April, if you can follow me. But just on the topic of, of, of fake news and, and be careful about what you see online because that's almost like, uh, um, that almost turns into a pandemic in itself, the way fake news gets shared. Somebody was saying to me this morning, uh, are you ever going to be talking about the guy shot dead in Dublin who sliced the shopkeeper? Um, shot by the Gardaí and then the Black Lives Matters protests all over Dublin. Um, talking about RT and the religious aspect is not the way to go. Um, you are referring, when you say to the guy shot dead in Dublin, you're referring to George Inkencho, um, who was shot uh, by the Gardaí and did die. But the amount of fake news attached to that young man's life um, is just Bizarre. Um, there was a photograph that was doing the rounds over the past five or six days, allegedly an image of the facial injuries sustained by the shop worker who was assaulted by Mr. Inkencho. And that, that's fake. That turned out to be an image of facial injuries sustained by an Everton football fan in 2019. But yet that was used. I saw it. This is the shop, this is the guy working in the shop who was only doing his job that was slashed by George. It wasn't true. And then there was the 37, was it 37 various criminal convictions that George had? He had none of those. Um, And the family are livid about it and they're threatening legal action uh, to vindicate his character. I saw in the Sunday World yesterday that they drilled into that story. George was 27 years old. He was shot dead by the guards during the incident in Dublin. He had no previous convictions. Um, He was arrested during a previous incident at his home last January. And that matter was dealt with under the provisions of the Mental Health Act. The Mental Health Act. So he clearly had psychiatric issues. Um, There were two minor matters over which he was charged in the past, which were actually struck out. So you have all of these campaigns of false information that spread on social media that we all have to be very careful of. I'm not at all interested personally in the colour of anybody's skin. I believe everybody should be treated fairly regardless of the colour of their skin. I don't know, because I'm not a trained professional in this regard, as to why he was shot, nor do any of us, because we weren't there. But GSOC will certainly... It's, it's awfully sad. I mean, it's a terrible tragedy for the family and for that young man's life to be taken like that. But as to the reasons behind it, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I, would, I would be slow to suggest that the Garda Shikona have any kind of an issue with the colour of people's skin, wouldn't you?
Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. But watch out what you see, videos and photographs that you see online. Because that's the Wild West when it comes to information a lot of the time. Um, This is actually truthful because I have the the chef behind it. There was a a story went up uh, over the weekend um, of an incident down in uh, Luigi's uh, La Bella Roma down in Yall. Because there are still characters going around uh, trying to cause hassle, looking to pick fights and make trouble by not wearing masks. Um, and this was the case down there, although Luigi put up a sign and the sign said, um, it's a stick person, you know. This is John. John is an a-hole and doesn't wear a mask. Please don't be a John. It followed an altercation that he had with a, a customer regarding not wearing a mask uh, over the past few days. And Luigi joins me by phone. Luigi, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Uh, well, now, uh, Happy New Year. I'm not interested in the individual or identifying him, but can you tell us the story behind it? Um, so that was last Friday. You know, I had a few um, customers in the shop. They all kind of they were keeping well distant from each other. They were all wearing a mask, and all of a sudden, these these three people walked in, like literally just like that. You know, like no mask, no nothing, standing in the middle of the shop. Um, kind of at first, we all looked to each other. You know, with my customers, there was kind of this cringe moment where we were like, "How the heck this is happening?" You know. On the third lockdown, these people just going around without a mask or finding acceptable to walk in any place. Now, the customers that were in there were in there for click and collect, were yeah, they? Yeah, they were just picking their food. So, you know, very politely, very gently, maybe I overdid it. I said, like, you know, um, sir, would you mind wearing a mask? Like, otherwise you can't you can stay here. And, and I pointed at the sign by the window where I have all my signs, like keep safe distance and uh, wear a mask uh, before you come in, sanitize. No mask, no mask. service kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah, they all did what everybody else has. Super value has it, Haldi has it, Lidl has it, everybody has something like that nowadays. Um, they were like, um, oh, we don't have a mask, give me one. You know, I, I keep masks under the counter um, just in case genuinely people forget or at least they show a bit of remorse or they are apologetic about the fact that they did not carry a mask with them. But these people were just not giving one. Like, they didn't care. They, there was a, like an half argument. I said, look, uh, I'm afraid you need to step out, you know, either wear a mask or you can be in the shop. That's it. It's very simple. It's very clear. Um, so they left. They left the door open and everything. They left after maybe three, four minutes. One of them came back, opened the door again, standing in the middle of the shop. He was kind of telling me, so you're going to give me my coffees or not? Again, without wearing a mask, either covering his face, nothing like that. Um, at that stage, I said, look, you have to go. You know, I'm not having this conversation with you. I'm sorry. It's very clear. Third lockdown, you should know. You should. I, you want to know the truth. I don't even think they were from y'all, which is even worse, because these people traveled from somewhere into y'all to have a walk around town, which that was wrong in the first place, because you're not supposed to travel for more than five kilometers. So... He just finished there. I was so nervous. I swear to God, my hands were shaking. My heart was pumping because the body language wasn't, you know, the best. Like, he, he, I, I could see want the, 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 the confrontation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm well separated from my customers nowadays. I literally dismembered my, my, my business. Like, I had to build some 
of a wall. Um, so you got all the perspex separation. What what happened then yeah. when when you asked them to leave? Um, it just it took me a while to 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 making to having like to go because everybody else then was looking at him like uh, you know like come on man get out of here you know what I mean so yeah. they just left to be honest this is the, the it, I don't know if in English you ever this is the drop that made. Um, I don't know how to explain. Like, I've had this all, all year, man. Like, having to deal with... What we say people. is, this for you was the straw that broke the camel's back, is it? Yeah, exactly. I'm sick of it. I'm just sick of it every single day. This is not like... Um, Did you subsequently uh, then start to get um, uh, threatening phone calls? No, the day after, just um, I, I decided to make this meme. It's a meme. I'm not trying to discriminating, discriminate anybody. It's just a meme. It's just a bit of humor. I'm saying, this is John, which is, I picked a, a random name. You know, don't be like John, wear a mask. It's easy. It's simple. Um, I did, um, once I put that on Facebook, it just went mad. People started to accuse me. There is over 400 comments accusing me of discriminating people that genuinely cannot wear a mask. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Also because maybe, maybe if we look into it, maybe 99% of people can wear a mask. There is that 1% that genuinely maybe cannot wear a mask. But yeah, but, they, all- but they didn't say it was for medical reasons. No, 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 no. This is not. These people are just selfish. They're, they're using an excuse. They're using some random facts they read online that masks don't work and, and, and these and that. And the government is trying to destroy businesses. It's, it's just nonsense. It's just nonsense because you're putting yourself at risk and you're putting most of all, even worse, okay. because you are selfish, you're putting other people at risk. This, the, the amount of messages I got in, in my private chat, this guy was saying, look, my family is fine. Uh, my friends are better than ever. Hospitals are empty. This COVID thing is a scam. And I'm like... They're clearly oh, not staying up to date with the numbers, though. Ho- okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just move on, Luigi. I may have an opportunity to pick up after 11 if the guys deem it necessary, but I'm out of time for now, so I'll pick it up after 11 on one 850 Point of clarification, you are right. The Oxford vaccine requires two doses, just like the Pfizer one. Uh, I'm confusing the difference. My apologies for that. The difference between the two is the temperatures which they're stored at. Happy to clarify that. Apologies. Back after 11. Officially Ireland's music station of the year. Red FM. Morning all. Text 0868104106. Just a quick email to give a big shout out to a beautiful couple who against all the odds of COVID are getting married Wednesday morning at 11am. I do this now because I get so much stuff across my desk. If I wait till Wednesday, there's a chance that I'll miss it. So Kevin is the brave man that you spoke to on your show recently that jumped into the river to save Lorraine. Morning, Kev. Uh, and I work with Marion, his now wife, in Omani Boyle and Golden on Parnell Place. And we want to wish them all the best on their special day. They're a fantastic couple who go out of their way to help others and deserve a special mention. It's a lovely email I got from Audrey Tobin, who wanted to pass on best wishes, congratulations, and a great life together because uh, Kevin 
and Marion are getting married on Wednesday. Um, so have a great day. One thing's for sure, you'll get the weather for it. At least it'll be dry. Um, a, a lot of other then texts which are kind of Christmassy related or the carry on over Christmas. Uh, this is an interesting one. Please don't give out my details, but I was booked into a hotel in Cork in January and I, I got a call two days ago asking me to confirm the booking. So I said... I assume it's cancelled. And she said, well, if you said you were an essential worker, I'd have to take your word for it. Basically, they're saying we can lie to stay in the hotel. Uh, We're never going to get rid of the virus if all hotels have this kind of attitude. I understand they're losing out on money and we're all sick of it, but this should not be happening. There you have it. Hotel saying, well, tell us that you're an essential worker and you can stay. It's a bit like, unfortunately, in pub restaurants, locals who don't want food, but are locals nonetheless, get a knife and fork and a, and a napkin in front of them so that they can drink away to their heart's content. Uh, after all the effort, after all the sacrifice, after all the mental and financial hardships the majority of people continue to go through because of this damn virus, could you please find someone in authority to explain why, oh why, the delay in not issuing vaccines immediately after the delivery of our first batch arrived? It's so frustrating to hear the first vaccines were set to be administered on Wednesday last week and only during normal day shift hours. Or maybe I'm mistaken by this. Well, you're not actually, because my understanding they were saying, yeah, we, we have them and we're giving them to healthcare professionals first and then we will give them to people in care and healthcare facilities like nursing homes. But Monday to Friday, nine to five. Anyway, back to the email. It seems other countries have wasted no time in getting their vaccination program up and running from the get-go, leaving Ireland, again, it seems, lacking any real sense of urgency. I, like everyone else, I'd imagine, have had enough for this pandemic and the authorities really do not need to let the ball slip on this most vital issue, giving the population a sense of badly needed hope. Here's to a brighter new year to us all. Yeah, here's to a brighter new year is right. Uh, but it does seem as if it could be faster, doesn't it? it? Maybe they just don't have the numbers. And of course, uh, d- you know, depending on the amount of vaccines you get into a country, let's say you get 100,000. Um, if you're following protocol, that's 50,000 vaccinations because they need two jabs. Mind you, in the UK, they've pushed that back and they're, they've, they're delaying the second jab to get more people vaccinated faster. Uh, Just a comment on RTE News about the 10,000 COVID-19 vaccines that came to Ireland last Saturday. When they showed this on the news to let people know it had arrived in Ireland, the man opened the doors of the back of the truck and not a bit of cold air came out of the back of the truck and there was only a small pallet inside in it. I've worked in trucking for 22 years and at minus 70 degrees Celsius, when you open the doors of a truck, a blast of iced cold air will come out. Then I looked at the number plate. It's not an Irish truck, but a German truck. I think they would have uh, to be taken up. This would have to be taken up at the HSE. Ask them, what do they think us Irish people uh, believe? We're not fools, you know. Well, that's a trucker who says that there should have been a blast of cold air and there wasn't. Um, You know, I was talking earlier on about, um, you know, fake news, fake photographs, fake videos, fake comments. And then I was honing in on some of the socialising that was done in Ireland and certainly in Cork over the Christmas period. Now, there was a lot of home visits that possibly shouldn't have happened. Uh, I saw a video of a 16th birthday just before Christmas, if you're listening to the programme, and it was heartbreaking to see the amount of people inside in the house celebrating the 16th. And I think the guy with the camera saying, I don't give an F about COVID-19. 
and it was a fully fledged party with a big huge gazebo um, uh, lean to tent stuck onto the side of the house and they were rocking it up with the DJ and everything and then of course you had the uh, the stories that are doing the rounds about different pubs um, and I know of a few of them although when I was talking before 11 there about two or three pubs on Leaside who should hang their heads on sh- in shame I wasn't including the Harp Bar on that one um, because I did see a video of it that was allegedly from last week which just didn't look right to me. But there's a lot of talk about uh, the Harp Bar and it's doing the rounds and unfortunately it's been, the Harp has been the subject of uh, quite an amount of negative comment for the for the last year or so. But Anya Murphy is uh, one of the owners of the Harp and joins me by phone. Anya, good morning. Uh, my apologies. There you are. Anya, good morning. Can you hear me now? Yeah, Neil, I can hear you. So first up, that video of your man doing the limbo. Talk to me about that. That's not the Harp and I can go and go live Zoom and show you our premises that the interior is nothing and the layout is nothing like the hat bar. And I think whatever bar it was, it wasn't a bar at Christmas time either because it doesn't I look... I don't know. I okay. comment on that. I don't know. Okay, okay. Um, are you aware of all of the negativity and stories rumoured to be connected to the pub? I am aware of it and I'm not sure if you're aware that I've been working closely with HSC for over four days and again on this morning and they confirmed they cannot release numbers of statistics that were caught in the half bar due to COVID-19 that the only people they will deal with is themselves or higher up the chain of the HSC if need be. Sorry, explain that to me again. Why did you have to get on to them in the first place? Well, there was a few members of our staff tested positive. Me, myself, my husband, my son, which are all positive since I'm nearly 10 days into my self-isolation now. Um, so we done the contact tracing with the HSE, which we were in guidelines with. And they went back as far as the 22nd of December, put me on it. And what was the, what were people? What was it rumored that staff in the Harp Bar had COVID and were working? Is it? Yeah, that they um, that apparently we knew staff members had tested positive and we kept the doors open because we didn't care, which is very untrue. Because I myself care for both my parents who are cancer patients and would not put anyone's life in danger, not let alone theirs. You know, so I've not seen my parents since Christmas Day because now they both have COVID as well. Okay, but you were open when pubs that serve food were allowed to yeah, open. we and were, and we were, and we were doing everything within the guidelines, and we've had numbers that checked by the guards who were quite happy with our kitchen and, you know, our regulations that we had in place. Right, okay. So the story was doing the rounds that staff were positive, were continuing yeah. to work, that the owners knew that they were positive and continued to work and they were infecting other customers. That was the story. Yeah, that's the story going around. Yeah. We also had stories that our manager and my husband were both on in ICU on ventilators, which is not very nice when you've got young kids who are subject to social media and they're reading this and they're worried about, you know, all these hearsay. Like some of our staff hadn't seen their families for over a week because they felt they have to self-isolate to stop them endangering their own families. Okay, okay. But do you, okay, and that was clearly not true and upsetting to hear that a relative was being said to be it on is, ICU. It is quite upset 
waiting for our staff that are listening to these rumours that are being spread by I don't know who. I know there's some of them coming from the north side, but, you know, you have staff members here that are out of work. You know, it's, it's not nice. The it's last time, nice no, in fairness, no, the last time that I dealt with the hot bar, um, there was a lot of talk, I don't know, it was it could have been last summer or last autumn, but... The harp then sent me photographs of the interior of the pub and all of yeah. the, the distancing and the perspex and, and all of the guidelines that you were following. Um, but, but nonetheless, it never went away. Like I was sent one at the weekend that said there were 70 cases traced to the harp bar in Balafihan, apparently. And in true Cork humour, people are now calling it, Balafihan, calling it Bally Wuhan. Are you aware of that? I am aware of that, and that is why I contacted HSE this morning again, and they have said they did not release any number of cases. So whoever's coming up with these numbers obviously must be, you know, rumoured, or they're working secretly for the HSE. You tell me. Okay, and did you at all times stick to the amount of people per square metre and two square metres and tables and everything? Yes, we did. You can contact the Gardaí if you wish. That's Did they call in from time to time to check? They called in. Sometimes they were in two or three times a day and everything was above board. We had done everything in the guidelines and they were quite happy and actually told us to keep up the great work. Okay, okay. So, so where do you go from there? You know, these people putting these rumours there have never stepped through the door of the hat bar. Um, you also say it's not nice when people threaten to burn down the pub. Is that true? No, it's not. That is true that there was a comment made on Facebook that the pub should be burnt down and everyone with it and no one working there should receive their COVID payment because we spread it like wildfire. So the minute that somebody went for a test or was feeling unwell before a test working there, they stopped working. Yes, one of our members actually had a fall three days before being tested so she had out previously before being sick even. So, you know, it's it, it's quite, it's upsetting for me as a parent, you know, and knowing that I have two sick parents over the road that I can't get over to. And then you have these staff that have no jobs that we don't know when they can go back to listening to this. It's not nice for them either. Okay. Um, uh, on top of all of that, of course, you, you, you mentioned people who have had a fall or have an unrelated illness or accident and they go mm-hmm. and they have to get a COVID test as well, as a matter of yeah. course, and they find out inexplicably that they're positive, unbeknownst to themselves. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so, again, you're categorically saying none of this is true in any way, shape or form. No, like it, it, there is a vendetta there and, you know, if you feel like ringing the HSC, on, by all means, you can ring on behalf of myself or I can put you, connect you to the call to the HSC so you can hear it yourself. But they have not released any statement regarding numbers that have been proven coming out of the heart bar. But do you know if Balafihan has seen a spike in COVID positive cases? They, there does seem to be a spike in it, but we're not the only pub on the side of, of the south side that have been opened all over Christmas. Yeah. You know, you've got to ask yourself, have the government done right by allowing people, you know, why can't, why can't they just let people come to their local bar without having to be out after 105 minutes and bouncing from pub to pub? You ask yourself, if it was been the one pub, would this have spread like wildfire? But you see, the minute people have drink on board, it would be impossible to monitor them. 
even inside in the same establishment. You mean you'd be blue in the face going around telling people, move aside, move away, get away, get away, get back to your own. You know, it just like obviously these numbers are obviously these numbers are. Look at you have to look at supermarkets. You go to a supermarket, there's not one name of contact tracing or a contact number mm. or how many went into that supermarket with you to trace back to how many cases actually came out of a supermarket. In a pub or a restaurant, you have your contact tracing, you have the time the table came in at and you have a contact tracing number. So we are actually doing more safety than what a supermarket or a retail shop is doing. So you're saying open the pubs? No, I'm not saying open the pubs. I'm clarifying that we have been doing everything that we were told to do day one. Okay, and that this is a vendetta, that it's fake, it's made up, and the minute it's shared, of course, it's shared by more and it grows legs, and you've been regularly checked by the guards and they've said keep yes. up the good work, full stop. Yes, yeah. and you, you can ring the guards in Anglesey Street, you can ring whatever guard you want, and they will confirm that they have been in and that we were above board with everything that they've done. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a virus, you know. You go outside and ask someone, you can pick it up. Is there a video going around of the staff in the heart bar going around serving food without with masks pulled down around their chin? I'm not sure. Okay. I have to be made aware of that. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, it sounds to me as if there's people trying to make trouble for you. There is, and it's, it's not nice, you know, we're, we're, we're out of a business. Uh, like, we were one of the lucky ones that could open that have a kitchen on site, you know, and we're grateful for that. But, you know, when you have people making a vendetta against you, it doesn't just affect you, but it affects the rest of your staff. Okay, okay. Appreciate you taking the call, Anya. Much obliged yep. to you. Happy New Year. Take care. Happy New Year. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's Anya Murphy, co-owner of uh, the Hot Bar in Balafihan. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Straight to the phone lines. Holly standing by. First up, John. John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, you know now at this. Do you know at this stage now that the EU is um, our club? The UK are no longer part of it, right? You're aware of that. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, so we... Yeah. we well, of course. Yeah, but... but, but uh, all I'm, I want to say is about the Oxford uh, vaccine itself. There are various Irish people associated with it, you know? Yeah. There is Dr. Adrian Hill who helped pioneer it. That's right. He's a TCD candidate. Or and the, the difference, of course, is that it can be just stored in a regular fridge. It doesn't need minus yeah, 80 or yeah. minus 85, whatever. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But as well as that, it's being rolled out for the whole world. I heard an interview with the Vice Chancellor of Oxford saying that they didn't want to make a profit. But now, I presume AstraZeneca will make something out of it. Of course, they're manufacturing it. But they wanted to give it out uh, to all uh, around the world as much as possible. And all I'd want to say is how long are this government going to be hidebound by EU rules when it's such an important thing as public health is at stake? They seem quite happy to sit around waiting for the CMA to start moving when in fact they could get on the phone and the English government have already ordered 100 million copies of it. It's, it's, it's freely available in England, you know what I mean? It's readily available. Yeah, but they're rolling it out in similar fashions to us though. You know, healthcare yeah. professionals first. I know, but I'm just saying, how long will it be before the European Medicines Agency decides to give the approval, you know? And if we're going to wait around too long, it's it's very important that we get some kind of um, 
vaccine, which is now a bit. I know we're getting the um, Pfizer. Pfizer. We, 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 would see, we would seem to be perfectly situated. We're an island. There's only five yeah. million of us. Um, yeah. You know, you, you would think that with a huge, with almost like a huge military operation, that this could be done in a number of weeks. Yeah, you'd imagine so. And I mean, the Oxford vaccine will be uh, rolled out in the north of Ireland from today. Today, yeah, they'll have both. Yeah. And I mean, could we not say, look, to hell with this, we'll use this, we'll go ahead with the Oxford vaccine and we can sort out the EMA later. Okay, frustratingly slow. Thanks for that. Um, what we do know, thank you for that, appreciate it, John. What we do know is that uh, they hope to vaccinate 17,000 healthcare professionals this week. Um, and that they hope that they will then roll it out further for care facilities in a few weeks' time. Like, and before you know, it's going to be February and there won't be a child in the house washed unless it's a, somebody in a care facility or it's a healthcare professional. And that's where we're at. And that's why it strikes me as frustratingly slow. In the north, they're rolling out two different vaccines at the same time. Um, Dan, good morning. Good morning, good morning, Joe. So, I was... Uh I listened to this, your program there all morning, and we we just can't plan anything in this country. And I I know that the the HSE are the mounted claims and the mounted claims that are gone in against the HSE. I can't uh, I can't do Daniel McConnell and started the exam. It was two billion euros against claims against what? Medical claims. Ah, yeah, but that's that's for a different day, really. You're talking about medical negligence. I, I know, but I know essential. We just can't plan anything in this country. I know what you're talking about, Neil. I'm just saying to you, we can't plan anything in this country. We're we're great. We're a great country for doing everybody else's business. But in the meantime, all people are being asked is to be patient. Hunker down, stay at home. I mean, it's a lot to ask people, I know. To, yeah. It's a lot, it's a difficult thing to ask people to do nothing. I understand that. But that's clearly but what Neil, people yeah. are being asked to do. But, but Neil, I understand that as well, that what you're saying. But I'm just saying, we're very slow putting out the uh, injection. We're very, very slow compared to the rest of the, the other countries. We are very, very slow handing them out. Yeah, we, we don't seem to be a whole lot slower there telling me, though, than other European Union countries. You see, we're holding up the UK as a comparison and the same yeah. rules don't apply. Yes. Th- this is what I'm, I'm told. I mean, I, I feel your frustration. I, I also think that it is mind-numbingly slow as well. But well, first of all, we just, I don't know, we just, whatever it is, we just can't plan anything in this country. Um, did, did you say that people have to sign a waiver, is it? I, yeah, I, I heard that. That's the people before they get the injection, they must sign a waiver. They call a disclaimer waiver in the country or against the health boards. Is that true? I don't know. That's what I heard. Yeah, I, you see, there you go. I don't know whether that's accurate or whether it's, it's fake I news. Don't know. I, I mean, don't you, don't, know you don't sign a disclaimer for any other vaccine, do you? Like the flu no, jab? No, yes, I, I, I got, I got the, I got the pneumonia injection myself, and uh, and the flu injection. I just went into doctor and got him. Okay, and so you will take the vaccine, either one oh, of I will, them. I will, of course, I will, of course, I will. Would you of sign course, a waiver? Oh boy, Jesus, look, 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 I, what? I said I never, I never claimed that, never claimed anything in. in all, all my life, I wouldn't. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. Okay, okay. And why will you? Just to, might sound bizarre, but why will you take the vaccine? What's your Why? Because we're 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 actually being told because it's one of the best things to, to, to stop the COVID. Okay, okay. 
19 coming around. All right. So you want to be vaccinated so that you I don't, don't, I don't get sick. Yeah. I don't, exactly, I don't want to get sick. Like some people would say they want to take the vaccine so that they can visit an elderly parent without fear of... That's right. Others are saying and they will take the what, vaccine like, because so they'll be able to fly. Neil, I would love, I would love then for you to ask all the people there that you that you are on and stop your show and mask saying that they wouldn't wear a mask or they wouldn't, that, that was all, that was... I'm getting the story about to go over how, how, uh, how dangerous it is. It is very dangerous. Why are we seeing so few deaths if it's so dangerous? Sorry? Why are we seeing so few deaths? Yeah. Because why? Because it's gone down, it's gone down to all. It's gone below. It's gone to the, we call them the younger population now. It's rampant amongst the younger groups as it opposed to the elderly in home care facilities exactly. in the past. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Okay. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you, Dan. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Colin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. An observation I've made in the last uh, while is I uh, going for my daily walk. I passed down by the pier in Black Rock. Yeah. And the amount of people queuing up for coffee without any social distancing and certainly no masks. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Like, you know, and we'll never come out of this pandemic if people... But let's be accurate and fair here now. It's a while since I've been down there, although it's within my 5K. But any time that I was down in Blackrock, um, even when there was the market there, which there isn't now... But I know that queue you're referring to. People were distancing and they were all wearing a mask. When did that change? Yes, yes, I agree. For a while, they were doing that. But now it's out of proportion again. It's gone out of all proportion again. They're just mingling around and and queuing. And and certainly they want to go back to school to learn about the the, 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 the two meter distancing, you know. Well, wouldn't it be fair to say that outdoors, one wouldn't need to wear a mask? Well, yes, uh, uh, that's within 15 minutes, am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, no, no, in, in an outdoor, like, you you don't really have to wear a mask if you're out on your own. Now, if you're no, queuing, you it's a difference. You don't really, yeah. but then if you're queuing and you're near a person, you know? I mean, like... Come on, like, it, it is a pandemic. We, we are advised by Nefit to, to stay at home. To stay at home if at all possible. You know? Well, if that's the case, don't allow people to go five miles from home. Like, you, you, like that's it, confusing. For stay at home, but go within five kilometres of your home. I mean, think about it. Yes, yes. It's like people's then, mental health. You know, we talk about... We talk about people getting infected, and that's sad. And, you know, seven people reported dead yesterday. That's sad. But there's a lot of other issues here regarding isolation, loneliness, depression, suicidal tendencies. Of course, of like, course it is. But, I mean, like, at the same time, how are we going to beat this pandemic? You know? Yeah, but you would think that you would be able to go out um, in the fresh air. I mean, do you accept that? I accept that, and that's what I was doing. I was passing these people because I go out every day for a walk. Okay, and what you're noticing you know? is no masks, no social distancing. Okay. No, okay. yeah, exactly. All exactly. right, thanks for that. Take care, All Colin. Right, thank thank you. you, Colin. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, John. Text 0868104106. I wanted to get in touch. I'm extremely annoyed and frustrated with our current situation. Uh, firstly, I think opening up for Christmas was one of the worst ideas ever. 
And I will receive a backlash for saying this, but we opened up and let this virus take hold of our island for the sake of people socializing and mixing and, in inverted commas, deserving their Christmas. At the end of the day, we could have done without the mixing in pubs, the catch-ups, indoors, seated at tables with multiple friends, the shopping sprees, the queues in the busy shops and shopping centres, the families flying home for Christmas from highly infected areas. I understand for sanity reasons people had to come home or for family reasons and genuine circumstances, but there was a massive number of people who flew home, didn't isolate, got off the plane, hopped on buses, trains and taxis, met friends, went to shops, and they didn't enforce isolating. We wouldn't be in this position with high deaths and high cases again if it wasn't for the selfishness of people wanting their Christmas. For the people who have died or may die after contracting COVID during the Christmas, was your mingling and enjoyment worth it? Schools are another story. Why hide school cases? I'm baffled and I don't understand the reasoning behind hiding cases and calling schools safe. There's a fantastic Facebook page which shows daily cases within schools And it also shows stories from within schools and how the contact tracers deem it community transmission instead, even though all the fingers point to the school or the classroom. If we are over 1,500 cases a day, well, you know, 5,000 yesterday, uh, how can they say schools are going to be safe? We have no control once they're in school. They mix with probably 30 others from 30 families. Some are careful while others are not. We were all wide open to bringing COVID into our homes now. The first lockdown, everyone was doing their best, thinking of others and doing their bit. It's changed now. Now it's selfishness and cockiness that the virus won't affect me or reach me. We don't stand a chance with bad attitudes and even worse government. The future is very bleak if things don't change. Uh, and that's from Mike by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. Just a fast one ahead of the ad break. Holly, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Happy New Year. And you too, and you too, my friend. I hope you're all keeping well. Um, But you are amongst those... Go ahead. I am absolutely angry, frustrated, and mad. Right? You have a lot going on then. I want all the pubs in Ireland to open their doors now, today, on the normal times, right? Because, number one... The off licenses, the supermarkets, there's miles of beer coming out from. And we all know that COVID loves a big crowd. Mm. Okay? Right? And you you used to have a a chap on your um, program there a few years back. He was telling you about the countries the wine came from, the tastes, the red and white, right? Yes, right, yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. Be Gary O'Donovan right? and Michael yeah, Barry. Gary and the exactly. He has an off license in Bandon. Yeah. Right? And I'm going to tell you something now, right? Since the COVID, he's up over 52%, right? And the pubs are suffering. He's also selling groceries, bread, butter, tea, sugar, milk. Wait a second. Pay- Back up here now. You're saying that an off license is selling bread and tea and butter and stuff. Cost a drink. Not in an off-license, though. A shop attached to an off-license. Will you check with Gary and come back and tell me... No, I mean, I like, no, I have, to be, I have to be fair about this. I mean, like, there are... I was there... in there. I went in there the other day to check. There's coffee for sale there. There's tea for sale there. There's sugar for sale. There's biscuits. There's bread. There's butter. 
in an off license? Inside in Gary O'Donovan's in Bandon, in right. Pier Street in Bandon in County okay. Court. And is that is that a bad thing to be selling somebody tea or a loaf of bread? Not not at all. Okay. But he's up over fifty two percent from his beer sales because of the COVID. I used to be a publican, right? And yeah. thank God I'm not at the moment. But why is it fair to close down all the pubs? The pubs are the first to come out, right? The wet pubs are the last to open. And all through that, the supermarkets with off licenses, off licenses on their own, were able to sell weeks of beer. Yeah. Wine, whiskey, and you have never, what you said before I came on here now, I'm sorry for getting cross with you, Neil, but I'll try and calm down. What you said there was, you mentioned pubs. You never mentioned off-licenses. Why? Um, in, in what regard? Like, you go into an off-license, you, you buy your beer, you buy your... If they close down everything at the start, including pubs. But you never said closing down off-licenses. Not that, that's not the point I was making earlier on at all. I mean, the point I was making with regards to the pubs was the behaviour over some of them over Christmas, which was scandalous, actually, of some of them. The way they carried okay, on. Understandable. The off license, the off license, no, the off license, you go in, you buy your stuff, you take it home. I'm not about to did the overcrowding at the host parties. That's COVID loves a cold deal. And COVID, COVID loves, loves booze. Cold. Yeah, I, yeah. well, on, in that regard, one would say, to cut down on the house parties that were happening, and maybe they happened over Christmas, that the off licenses should have been closed as well. I mean, maybe so. Exactly, that's, what I'm, that's my point. But 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 that's saying that point. all pubs all pubs should be open, I don't know about that. I mean that that's. Um, I'm telling you no. That would lead to I pub crawls and everything. In, you might think that I'm off my rocker here, but I want every pub in Ireland to open, right? And do their normal hours, right? I'll do them off license hours, and we'll see what happens. They can't they can't find everyone. They can't go around the country finding everyone, you know. I think it's it's very, very, very unfair on the publicans. Only on the basis that off-licenses are allowed to drive on and supermarkets are allowed to drive exactly. on. Exactly. Okay. Drive oh. on with no social distancing or not, and doing their shopping and doing their beer buying and everything. I think it's crazy, Neil. Let's be... Listen, I'll give you one example. Six weeks ago, Nevitt never told the government to go to, to five, and they refused. Right? You know that yourself. Yeah. They refuse to take their advice. I'll tell you something now. The government is suffering from a multitude of disarranged ideas. In other words, Neil, they haven't got a clue. Right? Well, you know, that's a very broad statement to make. Like, in what areas do they not have a clue? I'm a human being. I'm stuck in this pandemic. And why is it a broad statement? Because you're, what are you saying? On the basis that the off-licenses are left open, is it? Exactly. Why did they close them down from the start? And that led to house parties and with people house over the Christmas time calling to different people's homes. Yeah. Going to parks, drinking, going here, there and everywhere. Right? 
It's just, it doesn't make sense to me, Neil. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for okay. getting cross. No, no, you're not getting cross. No, you're you're a motive, but that's okay. All right, let's see what others think of that. Thanks, Holly. Appreciate oh, one it. One second, Neil. Can I mention one more thing? Yeah. I'm actually, I'm checking the off-licenses there that you say are selling bread and butter. I'm just curious about oh, that, yeah, so I'm just checking it. All right. All right. a good friend of yours. Yeah. Listen, I am, I was watching ads on television the other night, and there was one particular ad came on where this four-year-old kid was killed by a drunk driver, right? You might have seen the ad. His mother was on it. She was devastated. His father was devastated. The guards were devastated. The people who looked after him and put him in the bags in the hospital were devastated. And would you believe the very next ad that came on was advertising Budweiser? <sighs> that's just silly. You know, that's silly. They should have a better system. Isn't in that place crazy, for that. like? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There should be some kind of ad separation from situations like that. There should have been some distance there. I, I mean, if you saw that woman and the tears slowing down her eyes when her son, four-year-old son, Colin, was killed by a drunk driver. And, and the next ad was for Budweiser. ad after that. Okay, okay. Ridiculous. Sla- well, that's certainly sloppy. I'm sorry for getting so cross with Janil. I wouldn't call it cross. You check out your mates, Gary O'Donnell's <laughs> off license abandoned. Okay, right? well, if it's true, then everybody knows that they don't have... Thanks a lot, Holly. Everybody knows that they won't have to go in to a supermarket and queue with all of the different people if all they want is a loaf of bread or a box of Barry's tea. But I'll certainly check it back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Pick up on a lot of this uh, tomorrow morning at 9, but do get in touch. 1850-104-106. If you want to contribute but don't want to come on the air, you can text 0868-104-106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Go for it. Meanwhile, a happy story for you because 50 years ago, well, just gone it, December 30th, 1970, two wonderful people tied the knot jumped the broomstick, if you like, in the Church of the Ascension. I'm talking about the great Patricia and Timmy O'Mahony. Much-loved car couple celebrated 50 years of marriage and marked the occasion in their front garden recently. Patricia joins me by phone. Good morning. Good morning, Neil, and a happy new year to and you. T- and you too. And you made it to 50 without murdering each other. Nearly, nearly. <laughs> Well you done. Be here in some days. <laughs> ah, sure, that's the way it goes. Um, I think you were due uh, a celebration in the Commons, which had to be put on hold. Yes. So you you went for the front garden instead, is it? Yes. Well, I'd, I'd be honest with you. Know, we we had uh, the Commons book for the family and friends, but I did. They surprised me with the priest with the blessing, <laughs> but there was like none of them could come into the house. Only Janice and uh, Sophie and Megan and my son. The rest of them had to go home because we're in the bubble with Janice, but the rest of them did go home. And I just gave them a bottle of wine to get home, their own home. <laughs> so hopefully we can do it when I'm uh, my birthday, big birthday coming up. And hopefully we, if it's, everything's gone and everything's good. And 50 years there. later, five children, eight grandchildren, one great grandson. Um, yes, Kai. And Kai. Yeah, yeah. Kai McCarthy and, and uh, what do you what do you recall of fifty years ago? Like where oh you know I know you got married in the Church of the Ascension, but where was the reception? For instance, we had the reception in my mother's house over in Fairhill, because we to be honest with you, we hadn't got the money for the big reception, and every place was booked through being around Christmas. So my mum and my grandmother uh, got white sheets from the bed and gave us a beautiful table. 
and everything we're flying they got a barrel of drink at the time I didn't don't ask me what drink it was because I didn't drink and um, my mother said afterwards that Timmy's brothers drank everything and came back and for more <laughs> well it was a, it was a wedding after all I know but oh, you know you're in dogs now but, uh, so did your mum do all of the food and everything my mum now and would you believe now you're going to laugh Roy King uh, and and his grandmother they're related to my mum and my mum and Miss Lynch were best friends so they actually all helped they really and truly all and neighbours and they're our neighbours as well and they actually Ian Lynch is um, Roy's aunt she actually done my hair with um, Guinness to keep the curls into it because I had very long hair <laughs> I see the photographs they're absolutely beautiful um, oh. and and you've got a where'd you get the wedding dress? I got an own of it I got <laughs> I got I was lucky to get an own of that we were the same size a friend of mine my, one of my bridesmaids because I had two bridesmaids her sister now got married a few days before me and gave me the dress isn't it amazing how times have changed you borrowed the wedding dress oh, yes. you didn't have the price of a reception so you had yes. it at home I mean there were yes. simpler times weren't they yes now I thought I was going to Dublin on my honeymoon but I got a kick in the ass there <laughs> I was I was brought in at least cinema and I wasn't left in because oh. they said I was too young <laughs> what on the, on the day you got oh. married or that night or what that, that evening that evening because we had the flat up off Patrick's Hill <laughs> and uh, you I weren't allowed in were you too yeah. young? I mean, do you mind me asking yeah. how old you were? I was just going at 19. But you were old enough then, or were they over 21? No, um, I think the picture was, I think, now if I'm, not, if I'm correct, I think it was about um, this first time they were shown uh, an adult picture of how babies were conceived, but actually it was a load of dogs. <laughs> and uh, all this thing. And they, they said, no, I even showed them my rings and they would not let me in. What did they say? It was over 21, is it? Yeah. Well, I wasn't going in, and they wouldn't let me. He was being left in, all right, Timmy, but not me. <laughs> so, what, what did you do? We went up to the Uptown Grill in McCoston Street, and we had a little meeting, and they were looking at us as well. And then we were telling them, like, they were looking at me saying, You're very young, and they were looking at me, and they said, You managed. I said, Jay, you only got married today. <laughs> and then we were freezing with the cold back up in the a, a, a flat up in the. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're no heat in the flat, no? Oh, we were only there a few weeks because my grandmother, when my grandmother raised me, and uh, my grandfather got sick, so we came up to live with her then, and we're still here. Get away. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's a great yeah. story from your Christmas, or from, yeah. your, from your wedding day. <laughs> I was like looking back and now, Jesus, I don't even remember. I remember rushing around and being dragged. Were you a small <laughs> slip of a thing, I suppose, were you? I was, oh, I'm half the size I am now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a granddaughter, you know, her name is Sarah, and she's just like me all over again. When I see her going out in the miniskirts and the little tight clothes, I said, oh my God, Sarah, I was like, I was like you one time. <laughs> uh, it's her time now, though. It is, yeah. And what about the 50 years together? I mean, not oh. without its trials and tribulations, of course, money would have been an issue in the early days, obviously. Oh, Jesus, he was, he was only earning about 150, uh, what is it, £1.50 a week, and he was working up in Victoria Cross in Spa, in the warehouse, yeah. and his brother, I don't remember, his brother, Larkin Mercy, I know, Shawnee, he bought him a bike, <laughs> and he, was, he paid for him every week. And he was going to bike and go from Patrick's Hill up to Victoria's Cross. 
to go to work. That was all fine going to work. Coming back from work was the hard part, back up the hill. Coming, coming back down one and he was very late. And I was saying, where's he? And he was dinner ready. And I was all, you know, he was only learning how to cook. And so I did everything ready for him. It was, I always remember, it was instant potato, oxtail soup. And, uh, you know, the, the matter of fact, peas. I'd love uh, it. <laughs> I, I always thought that the peas, you know, you steep the peas overnight. But I thought that you must do it in the water. You know, that you keep the water instead of throwing out the water. I gave to him in the water. And I was saying to him, he said, Jesus, that's like poison. <laughs> but he never said nothing. And his stomach is killing him today. <laughs> oh, my God. So there was a few years of trial and error with the food, was there? Oh, learning, learning, learning. But we had the ups and downs, and we had certain times and good times. And, <laughs> you know, like, you have to make the most of it. We kill each other some days, some days. Yeah, some that's healthy, too. Don't worry about that. But you, you never got over the fact that there was no honeymoon, did you? Oh. Oh, no, no, no. I thought I was going to Dublin. <laughs> oh, no, but I'm sure you had many happy tri- trips in the years oh, that God, followed. Ah, we had. We really had now. And I and love going to Yarn and Killarney. I love. And you know what? You'll do it again when you're out of that bubble oh, and you get, you know, give me that yeah. jab, says you. Give me it as fast as you can. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I, can I say one more thing? I have a lovely grandson, Neil. He, well, I have loads of grandson. Monfield is out in the Middle East at the moment, out with the army. And I have another little fella, Oren Hanron, is his name. He was just diagnosed with diabetes and he's only three. Oh, little lad. And they're finding it very, very hard. And he's a daughter. Oh, well, he's got a great granny who'll look after him, you can be sure of that. Oh, and I also know your fabulous granddaughter, Megan, which, you know, Megan, Megan has special yeah, needs. But she's about that. 10 now. Is she about 10 now? She's 10, yeah. She's 10. She keeps us going. She keeps us going. And uh, we're in a bubble, actually, now with them. So, like, we can visit them, like, in case. I know, the, I know. Break, but listen, you, know? you guys have a special song, don't you? Oh, yeah. When we say, I know, the voyage. Christine Moore. Well, look at those that are around you now, just like the lyrics of The Voyage. 25. 25 altogether. One of my son now said to me, it was only a pandemic that kept us away from me. (laughs) That's all, boy. That's the only thing that could do it. You'll be back together again soon. But listen, I didn't want the opportunity to go without marking and wishing you and Timmy well on your golden wedding anniversary and playing your special song, all right? Thanks very much, Neil. And thanks to him as well. Thanks Mind so yourself, Patricia. And you too. Uh-huh. Bye. As Christy and the Johnny doing song, The Voyage, for the lovely Patricia and uh, Timmy from Cathedral Road, their golden wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary to all. Great to have Emer back after maternity break. First program down, and uh, we're all still alive. So welcome back. Good to see you. We'll drive on, guys. Uh, have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.